This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to another edition of 50 Years in Chelsea, uh, which is a, a Chelsea fan cast series. It's, it's just been great fun, basically. Me and uh, JK and the usual suspects sitting here nattering away about every season since 1970, year by year. And this evening, uh, I'm delighted to say that we're talking about the season 1985 1986 Chelsea's second season back in Division One where of course we all know that they belong and it turned out to be a very exciting season but before I do that introduce my my guests which of course are the uh, the grand dom as we said on the Monday night finecast this week of the Chelsea finecast Mr Jonathan Kidd who is look he says he's tired but he's actually looking he's looking very well I know what is you shaved off your your whiskers mate I did I shaved off that bizarre um kind of sort of the gaucho Chester Conklin gaucho yeah 17th century musketeer moustache that I've grown but you're looking really well it's taken years off you mate well I I quite like that I think I'll carry on doing that I'll grow it again yeah and then take the show and then everybody go oh but you're looking so well so young so it's like a um if I if I ever want to I could pretend to be a, a uh, an OAP couldn't I and, and I could wander in and be very old and then take it off and go aha it's me one of those pesky kids. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah, what exactly, I was thinking. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and we've got the delightful Mr. Dan Silver. We're, 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 all, we're, we're on double bubble this week because we all did the Monday night fan cast yesterday and we're now back for the 50 years. It's great to see you again, Dan, after yeah, it's so, great. so soon. I know, it's great. I love to talk about Chelsea. I'm in my happy place. It's really I good. I know, I know. And this well, is one of my most exciting seasons to yeah. date for me as well. Well, people out there won't know this, but I, I do actually schedule this particular show very, very carefully. And I, and I tend to do it, you know, I asked, I asked all, all the peeps, I said, well, look, you know, what, what seasons 
do you want to do you know and uh if, were there any particular seasons that you really remember very well or really enjoyed or whatever so it's no coincidence that dan is here uh, jk and i are always here and generally we don't really remember anything but uh uh, we've got a man here who I'm sure will. Um, before we do that, just as we're in, talking about hair and stars, I'm, I'm, I'm affecting my 80s mullet at the moment. Can you see that? Yeah, Very indeed. impressive. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You'll get a little rat tail if you carry on like that. I'm oh. getting there, yeah. I might, well, I, I, I'll do that in the 90s, mate. We get into the back era so I can get a little Baggio ponytail going, maybe. At the moment, I'm kind of going for the, uh, the Kerry Dixon mullet at the moment. Uh, by the way, I spoke to the great man earlier on tonight. I told him we were doing this show tonight. He sends, sends us our best. How's he doing? Is he well? Oh. He's all right. Yeah, he remembers this season fondly, as we will discover. Yeah. Scored um, some great goals in this season, did Kerry. Yeah. He certainly did, mate. He certainly did. Um, and we'll talk a lot about Kerry this episode, I, I believe. Uh, he features very heavily in it. Now, so um, just to set the scene a bit, as we always do, um, in the summer... Uh, to great sadness of uh, most Chelsea fans, all Chelsea fans, I think, really. It was all a bit of a shock, really. But John Neal, who we knew had health problems, you know, he'd had heart surgery the season before. Anyway, he got moved upstairs to be a director. And uh, his, his coach, his assistant, uh, John Hollins, uh, took the reins. Um, one of the first things that John Hollins did was to hire Ernie Wally as his assistant from Crystal Palace. Now, um, this will have great significance, as we will find out, I think, next season. So let's not talk about the bloke called Wally, a very aptly named character in the Chelsea saga. But the thing is, John, uh, JK, even, um, I'm reading the script, it says John Neal, and I'm thinking Jonathan Kidd, which is rather disturbing for me. But anyway, JK... There's really? a footballing name, Chidge. It's my football because people, Jonathan isn't a footballing name. No, not really. The people used to go, John, 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 Johnny, John, 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 John. But if I scored, they go, well played, Jonathan Kidd. Well played, Jonathan Kidd. I'm going to remember that for fancasts. When you say something good, I'm going to say, well played, Jonathan Kidd. It has to be in that tone. Jonathan Kidd, well Jonathan played, Jonathan Kidd. Kidd. Yeah. Otherwise, it's Johnny, 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 John, 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 John. Back okay. door, back door. Switch it, switch it, On me, that's right. On me, John, on me, that's right, exactly. All right, so. Can uh, I just ask a question here? Yeah. What happened, what happened to Ian McNeil in this instance? Do you know what? That's a good question. I don't know either. Maybe he went off to be a manager somewhere. This is somewhere, where we need yeah, Kelvin, we, who would did he remember go to this. Oxford or something? Did he, he go to Oxford? Oxford? So I, I, because he was he contributed hugely to the uh, to the whole <laughs> setup there. And um, and it's interesting when you see that um, uh, the John Neal went up upstairs. Is I I wonder what influence he had, if any, because well, I think indeed. he'd come. He was rather an invalid, um, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think it was more a. You know the the title. It was a it was a title that he was with the board, but he perhaps got a wage for that. But I don't think he was involved very much in the club anymore, which was um which was such a shame because he'd been so instrumental. But I think we can also see that in the way that the club is sculpted for the uh, for the rest of the season yeah. with certain went, players moving out. You know. He went to Shrewsbury Town. He went to Shrewsbury. Well, yeah, done. just just googled him. Yeah. Well done, Dan. Yeah. I mean, look, the reality is, J.K. Uh, you know, I, I know, I know. Hindsight and uh, twenty twenty hindsight and history tells us that John Hollins, you know, won't go down as one of Chelsea's greatest managers for lots of very good reasons. But actually, at the time, he was highly sought after. Um, he was he was seen as one of the best up and coming young managers in the game. So, you know, it's easy to look at it and say, well, obviously he got the job because he was the, the assistant. Obviously, he got the job because he got Chelsea and you know the the, the track record he had with them. But actually, 
there's a very good case to say he actually did, you know, did get it on merit. I mean, it was great, great sense to, to bring him up from being coach because he was player coach the, in the season before and then he got stopped playing towards the end of the season. Did he actually play at the end of the season? I can't remember. I think he did a couple a of games. A few games. I, I'm not sure if he played any games last season, but the season before. The season before, before wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, he was, he was, he, he obviously had some, some terrific ideas, but um, um, you wonder to what extent um, it was, it was John Neal's influence because. Uh, um, the, the remember the team was completely galvanized by the by the the Neil and McNeil pairing and um uh, and he made it pretty obvious pretty soon that he there were certain players from from the John Neal setup that he didn't like some of some of whom um unfortunately were fans favorites but well, we'll get uh, into what, that what, get we'll in, get into that yeah. but while we Good segue actually while we continued do, while we continued with decent results um uh he could do no long do no wrong initially well, I, I mean, and we'll we'll find this out during the course of this evening. You know, it was by no means a bad season at all. In fact, I, I think you know one of the best and most memorable seasons we've had in that era. But we'll we'll not uh, get more into that now. Uh, I, as always, I, I ask everybody on the beginning of the show, and funnily enough, I tend to get the same answer. But I, I'm I'm determined. I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> but what what Dan what, what Dan were your hopes and fears for the season? We just had a um, a really exciting season in Division One on our return. It proved we could mix with the big boys. So, what were you feeling as you went into the season? And actually, for 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 all of our our benefit, really, you need to set the scene contextually for you because this was one of your first seasons where you really started going regularly. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, because I think my my story started in the early eighties when I used to sort of go the occasional go with my dad. Well, my granddad was ill. My granddad died. Um, I started going, so 83, 84 was my first real season when I got promoted. Um, and I was kind of knew what was going on. Then I was two years old. I really suddenly understood what football was all about. And I really got the whole, the passion. And, you know, I stopped eating sweets. I stopped making notes in my day books. You know, when my dad is fine, it's football. And suddenly it's like, wow, this is football. And I was absolutely, completely, utterly taken in by everything, just by watching what was going on and the players and, you know, Clive Walker, Kerry Dixon, people like that. So I had real people I can identify with. So I was really just hoping for a good season, a good cup run. You, you know, like everybody, you watch the cup final at the end of the season, you thought, oh, it'd be great if we could go to Wembley one day just to see, you know, Chelsea play in a cup final. So that was my dream, you know, because I, I knew kind of that like Liverpool were a brilliant side and we weren't as good. But I thought, you know what, if we could just get to a cup final, that'd be fantastic. I'd really love to go with my dad to Wembley. I mean, how old are you this season, Dan? Uh, 12. 12, so yeah, yeah that... That's a good age, isn't it? Uh, Jonathan, well, I'm not going to... with you. stays with you, that age. Yeah, no, yeah. Well. Totally. I mean, I can remember being Kerry Dixon in the playground, um, occasionally Pat Nevin, Casey and Paul Cannaville, just thought, you know, because I like to consider myself yeah, as a striker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I do just... It was so much time, because, you know, all the memories of parking your car up by the old dairy, getting your sweets, walking down to the ground... I remember what I think one game that really sticks out really well was we were, I think it was a cut match and we, they, they closed the gates because so many people there and police horses everywhere. My dad said, Oi, donkey bollocks, let us in. Brilliant. So yeah. what, were you, what were you hoping for this season, Dan? Having having, you know, been very aware of what was going on last season and hoping to I mean not just entrench ourselves in Div One, but do better. Yeah, I thought, you know, we've got to push on because we kept, you know, the core of all the players and obviously the new manager might mean the transition. Um, it's really just to have a, a stay safe in the league, have a good cup run, and just you know challenge and be up there. 
because yeah, you're growing up with Liverpool and everything, you thought, oh, I really want to see us win some silverware, some proper silverware, and have, have a good cup run and experience like the Liverpool game in 82, we won 2-0, and the Spurs game the following when we got knocked out. All those memories when the Stafford Bridge was absolutely packed. There was 40, 45,000 people in there. That's what I wanted to see more of, because that was, for me, that was real, like, my first, well, I fell in love with football, just yeah. that. And all, all the smells associated with it, the, the onions, the burgers, the horses, all those sort of things. So when I was there, I like, you know, I want to see Kerry Dixon score lots of goals because he was my hero. Mm. I wanted to get him a hat trick every week because you know I love Kerry. Just watching him score goals, where he used to outpace defenders, yeah. shoot across into, into net, and then just watching people like Pat Nevin with it, with all his skills and then try to replicate it at the playground and failing miserably. A very excited, a very excited twelve-year-old. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think and getting my Chelsea shirt as well, which is great as well. Having my Chelsea shirt. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. We should mention mention the kit. This is the, we, we've now lost the one my favourite kit actually the, the the kind of horizontal blue stripes and the but red. It was blue and it was two blues. It was a yeah. light, lighter blue and a darker blue. Which yeah. is uh, well, this this season so they, they 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 verticalised them, didn't they? Made it made it straight stripes. Yeah. yeah, but Lovely. also I think also the socks were a very important thing. Because there were big rows going on about they'd gone away from the traditional yeah, white. The white, so, they went blue, didn't they? And they went blue with the, the light blue and dark blue yeah. um, little bits on the top. They was actually yeah. a very attractive sock. <laughs> we're talking about socks being attractive, <laughs> but it was an attractive sock. Well, I still I saw stocking, it, stocking, Jonathan, stocking. Yeah. I'm so sorry, a stocking, of course. I'm. Uh, are you sure? Yeah. Um, yeah I'm to call them sock. All right, a stocking. But at yeah. the same time, um, we were fearful that this was going to be the downturn and it would then be uh, blue, blue and blue for the rest of, um, uh, of Chelsea's um, um, existence because we thought that people were trying to fiddle with the actual blue, blue and blue and white. And we, the traditionalist says it's blue and white. And actually, if you look at this, this setup, they've got a bit of black in the collar. They've got a bit of dark blue. There is us talking about the current outfit as being slightly uh, um, uh, um, a new novel. And yet there it was. In 1985. Well, the the interesting thing, and before I, uh, uh, the interesting thing, um, which of course will astonish most people. I'm just really curious about the fact that we were actually still moaning about kits, you know, 40 years ago, whatever it was. Um, nothing ever changes in football, does it? But actually, the interesting thing about this season is they've ditched the white. Well, they've got a white away kit, but they've also got a complete red. Yeah. It's, like, it's a it's the inverse of the blue. It's red socks, sorry, stockings, red shorts, red <laughs> shirts. It, it looks like a Liverpool kit. Chelsea yeah. were playing away in a Liverpool kit that season. And it doesn't quite because the socks were strangely maroon. Ah. Yeah. If you look, they're not quite the same red as the as the as the, yeah. the, the, the top. Darker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there isn't much white. There isn't as much white as it. Also, the red isn't the same as a Liverpool red. Anyway, I'm just being a purist. You're being pedantic. I, I, I was so I was so specific. I, I remember in 1967 they started playing in blue, blue, and blue, and I was up in arms completely. No, no, you know we've gone this far. We've got to have the white socks. Got to have the white. But they had white, obviously, in the stripes. You know, it, you're going to really, get your kit out. You're getting your. Kit I am going to get my kit out. I'm. I'm not going to. I don't know. I think because I was so intrigued by. Uh, you know, the the I, I I love the kits of this era. Uh, there's a brilliant website called historicalkits.co.uk, and I kind of went in there. And did you did you know? Did you know? And not a lot of people know this, but our first um, away kit in uh, 
1905-07. Can I don't know if you can see that. Is, yeah. is red, red, it's white, maroon. Black. It's maroon, Jonathan. It's yeah. maroon. But with the black socks, with the little white tops, those little bits and pieces in the top. Look yeah. how many red kits we've got in the early part of our history away. Because there is red in the badge. Because yes. there's red yeah. in the badge. That's right. And uh, we've seen this before in the 60s. Three times we had a complete a, a red. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? See that? It blurred. I can make out the red. Yeah. Did you know, Chidge, that we played the game against Moscow Dynamo in 1946 in red? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, because it's all black and white pictures. You think it's in blue. Yeah, no, yeah. It played in red, red shirts. So there you go. Um, Jonathan, quickly, what yeah. were your hopes and fears for well, these? My, my usual hopes, Chidge. I was hoping we'd win the title. Of course. Of course. But uh, but as we'll get on to it, my uh, my favourite players, two of my favourite players, were soon on the go and were soon uh, let go. So, uh, um, but you know, you are you you trust the setup. They'd done what marvellously the year before. They can only get better, surely, surely, because yeah, the Dixon Nevin Speedy they? combination was yeah. just phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. And Eddie Nisvicky was a fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah, and um, uh, rugby rugby was a bit. Uh, dubious because he just seemed to um, kick the ball up in the air a lot and foul everybody. You know but, what, Jonathan? Yeah. We kind of needed another centre-back or a left-back, really, didn't we? Funny enough, we did, and not a goal. Nothing changes. We were happy Nothing with the goalkeeper. Yes. Because yes. Joe McLaughlin and Colin Pates were a really good partnership at Very the back. Very good. Very I think Darren Wood has really established himself as a right-back. The weak link was Dougie. And yes, and he, in fact, when they put they played Keith Dublin for a large part of the they season. Did. My goodness, what a unit Keith yeah. Dublin was! Good you player forget, too. You forget, well, he was only nineteen, wasn't yeah. he? Nineteen and twenty. He tended, he gave the ball away a bit too often in 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 situations now where we'd say he's not quite good enough. We'd say it's not because he's only nineteen. We would give him that, but in that instance, for the perfection we wanted to win the title, um, they needed a better player there. Yeah. And uh, we had Robert Isaacs, of course, who was very Indeed. young, about 19. Yeah, Keith so. Jones flitted in and out yeah, as well, yeah. didn't he? Anyway, you mentioned uh, players that went, and you're dead right. Um, and this was actually much to the, to the huge anger uh, of, of the supporters. We, we actually, I mean, you know, the weird thing is we didn't have a transfer window like we do now. So you would, you would see players go in September, October, December. Or even, even, uh, even May. Even May, that's we right. Bought, we bought Gordon Jury in May from Hibernian. That's right, that's right. But we, we do, we, we sell Joey Jones to Huddersfield. I mean, there's a case to say with Joey that, you know, you know, he, he'd, you know, he'd had a good innings and, and he was getting yeah. on a bit. But yeah. he, he, I think because he had been so instrumental in a way of us surviving the drop to Division 3, coming back up to Division 1, a proper proper player but also I, unbelievably popular with the with the well exactly crowd. exactly that was, what was missed in that setup and i wasn't as convinced by by wood actually i don't know how you were dan as a fullback he, he never quite um uh, I, I felt he was a work in progress yeah i i, I was his biggest fan i think i just didn't seem to do it always seemed to make rips or not quite have the his brain didn't work as fast as his feet or vice versa but but jerry jones was a real kind of like you know clench your fist kind of pump the fist kind of what you really wanted. 
he was he was he was a, he was a, he was a you never leader. felt there was a lost cause did you with joey jones you actually always thought that you know they could be two nil down with 15 minutes to go and he'd be there going come on come yeah, on it's hard as nails oh. as well yeah. a proper of course, the prop. other one was mickey mickey thomas which was absolutely as as, as kelvin described in his book completely baffling absolutely baffling yeah well there's a precursor to that and and that's that jerry murphy signed from yeah. palace yeah uh and of course that not only put a threat on uh onto mickey thomas but also canners and and yeah. uh, as as people know you know throughout a lot of the recent episode uh i interviewed a lot of the players from the 80s paul cannaville colin pates johnny bumps and uh, kerry dixon of course on the chelsea special uh, so throughout tonight, I will be playing some clips from these boys when they talked about, you know, various moments of the season. And I did speak to Canners uh, about uh, Jerry Murphy signing and, and what it meant to him. He was very sanguine about it. John Hollins brought in Jerry Murphy, didn't he, from Crystal Palace oh, to play mate. on the left side, which is kind of where you were playing. No, yeah, you know, I'm sorry to cut you there because I no, was no, so you go upset. Ahead. Yeah. And uh, I thought... Players can tell and tell it straight, and I wouldn't say I can tell it straight. If that, if you say that Jerry Murphy was better than me in what I could have done on the pitch, then I'm sorry, I disagree, because mm -hmm. I thought, don't get me wrong, we've known Jerry Murphy, we knew him from Crystal Palace days, mm. and he had a sweet left foot, mm. but that was all he had. Mm. That was all he had. Um, he wasn't a person to gone back. He wasn't a person, sorry, um, to to defend. He wasn't a person be running down the line and so forth. Yes, a free kick, that was it for me. And I was disappointed of being dropped for him. Now, Mickey had gone by now, hadn't he? I think so. Oh, he was still around, was but he? I think he had an injury or something like yeah. that. But don't get me wrong, that weren't the influence of John Holland. That was the influence of Ernie Wally, because he had, the, I think, a connection with um. Crystal Palace at the time that they brought him along. Right. Well, or they just got him along. So So there you go. Good old Canners. Now, um, just a reminder, of course, you can, if you want to, I mean, the, if you like what you hear from these boys in, in the episode tonight and in the ones we've done recently, you can listen to the whole interviews that me and Martin King did with them. And they are at chelseaspecial.podbean.com. And uh, you just go there, and uh, they're easy to download. They cost two ninety nine each, but they're well worth it. They're uh, the cheapest chips, really, if you think about it. But the, they really do talk with great passion about their time at Chelsea and their love for Chelsea. So there you go. So Jerry Murphy comes in. There were some. There were a few more interesting ins and outs. Actually, we got Mickey Hazard, not Eden Hazard. I hasten to add, Mickey Hazard, the first, the, the real, the real Hazard uh, from Spurs, which was an interesting buy, Dan, wasn't it? Because. You know, this was a, a kind of a talented, creative midfield player, but of course he never got a look in at Spurs because of Glenn Hoddle. He turns up. We sell uh, Gordon Davies to City, which on the one hand is strange because he always did really, really well for us whenever he played. But on the other hand, he was never going to get a look in against Kerry and Speedy. Um, Mickey Thomas goes to West Brom, as, as Jonathan said. And we also, uh, well, I think earlier on in this, uh, the previous season, the, the latter end of the season, we signed Kevin McAllister from Falkirk. Uh, Kevin McAllister ends up having quite a significant part of the season, as does Hazard. But what do you remember about the signings? Were, were you that enthused, Dan, as a 12-year-old boy? Or did um, it pass you by a bit? It passed me by a little bit to us because I kind of, because not, you know, like today, you know, you know, you know, the youth team player at Man City you know about, but right now it was just kind of like you had Hoddle, Archibald, Crooks, all those players. You didn't really know deep down what sort of players were out. So I didn't really know too much about him. But that's how we signed someone from Spurs. Mickey Hazard, I went, oh, 
is any good? My dad said, well, yeah, don't know, I haven't really seen much of him. Because there wasn't this 24-7 football, so you knew every player in and out. So, uh, pass, I think it's the best one to say on that one. What about you, JK? I mean, you know... I thought Hazard, I thought Hazard was fantastic and uh, just didn't figure in, it, in, the, in the team. He couldn't... He couldn't it, the team didn't suit him. Um, but when he came on as a substitute, he was class act. The dilemma was was that he was caught in possession a lot. It was a bit Barkley like. He attempted to beat people or see see passes that some of the team just weren't clued into. Um, I was a real fan of his, and I thought it was such a shame that it didn't work because you could tell that this was a player uh, of great skill, and somehow the midfield he didn't work with Spackman because um, uh, Spackers was just brilliant and uh, um, uh, they didn't somehow, they just, the combinations didn't quite work for me. You almost needed the Johnny B figure, the Johnny Bumpstead figure worked much better with Spackman because he was just a, um, a workhorse and with, with a, a, a skilled workhorse, but suddenly you got this really class player and they didn't, it's the kind of player you could actually have built the team around. He really was Top-notch. Very clever. Top-notch very clever player. I very, think he was always, we didn't have the players the right intelligence, maybe, to play alongside no, him. No, indeed, indeed. I also, let me say, I remember quite, he was quite slow as well, wasn't he? I mean, he was a bit ponder. But he, Yeah, so, I, think, I think you're right. That's why he was caught in possession a lot. Yeah, but he he saw, was, it's that thing of always seeing a lovely pass. He always sees it. You can see that, they, and yet nobody was making the run. Yeah, but having yeah. said this, can I just say that my, my admiration for David Speedy this season just grew and grew and grew. Yeah, for me a quite phenomenal Chelsea player who doesn't come up enough in, in know, Chelsea, Jonathan, Chelsea greats. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I mean, it was interesting because you talked a lot about Speedo last week. Last, year, last week, yeah. And, and I thought, yeah, 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 we all know that. But I, I mean, you know, we, they're actually the, the great thing about this season. And, and I mean, one of the things I must do is when I put these up on the blog, I mean, we've got this kind of special, uh, you know, heading on the ChelseaFanCast.com website called 50 Years of Chelsea. So, each of these podcasts are going up in that section, so they'll be easy to find. But what I might do is, is to add in every week, obviously I surf uh, YouTube to find clips of the season. Uh, and this week, there were so many, I actually put them in a playlist so me and the boys could actually kind of watch them in chronological order. And, and you're right, Jonathan, that was one of my main takeaways from kind of because I watched them all in one go, yeah. Yeah. You know, which I haven't done before. There's much more context. And I have to say, I thought, fuck me, Speedy, one of the players of the season, isn't he good? But the dilemma that I had with him was that he's one of the most competitive Chelsea players I have ever seen in the sense that he shouted at everything and everyone. And even Kerry, he he was constantly, and he wanted the ball and he ran and he was a massive bundle of energy. We're talking of somebody five foot six and a half hovering in the air for yeah. some of these goals. Fantastic but, leap. Fantastic. A salmon, salmon-like yeah. consistently. But he was always getting suspended. I mean, I was in despair about yeah. it. I was watching the season and thinking, for fuck's sake, don't get... And he would go and he'd create a situation out of nothing. It was like, it was Alex Ferguson <clears> and Dennis Wise. You know, he'd have a row in a, in, in a room with only him in it. You know, he, he would just... Any antagonism, he would pick a fight with the cent- with the centre half because he was beating the centre halves and they were kicking him and he wouldn't let it go. He wouldn't do a linicker. He wouldn't go. No, I'm above this. It, his energy fed off 
the whole of that process. He loved confrontation, he, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he loved it. He loved it. He loved comfort. He'd, he'd shout at the linesman every time there was an offside. He'd go, ah, I wasn't, I wasn't. And I have to say, sometimes he wasn't offside and it was just the linesman being useless. There's a great example later on in one of the games where uh, he clearly, clearly there isn't an offside and the referee doesn't know what to do, so just fudges it. But, yeah. um, but he, he, as a combination, once again, with Nevin and... Uh, um, with Nevin and 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 Kerry, phenomenal, phenomenal. Watching them, I, the joy that I had watching those three, I, you could sort of forgave the the defence as being, you know, occasionally a bit rubbish, just because they they were, and also relying heavily on a big boot. They relied heavily on the ball being booted down the pitch, which yeah, Speedo yeah. would get to it because he was so quick. Or flicked on. Speedo well, flicked it on to Kerry. There, there is evidence of that in a couple of great matches later, which we will talk about. Dan, you know, yeah, I just think. Okay, about speedy about his his absolute aggression from the front as well. You know, yeah, that's what we lack because Kerry was much more sort of silky, but Kerry had this had this real speedo aggression. You know, kind of like Scottish Diego Costa that kind of thing. Yeah, just that, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just always then they think you got sent off. You're like, oh, speedy, you bloody idiot. Yeah, that was, but that's yeah. also why I don't know why they got rid of Davies because. Speedo was well because so he wasn't frequently through yeah, the game. He wasn't you know, going to get He could have just matches. played in the hole there. He could have played every time. Yeah, but, but he wasn't. He wasn't going to get enough matches. Right. Let's let's talk about some of the games here. We had a really good start. Actually, two wins, two draws. We drew away at our uh, what were then quite arch rivals, Sheffield Wednesday, who finished I think uh, a place below us last season when we finished six. We drew one one up there. We beat Coventry at home one nil. Uh, and then we beat Brighton 2-0 uh, with a very young, spunky seaman in goal for them, would you believe? Uh, and then we drew 0-0 against Leicester, and then we won 3-0 against West Brom. And then, first big match of the season, really, up at uh, White Hart Lane. I'm, I'm presuming as a 12-year-old, you weren't up there, Dan. But you no, no. I, I did start going to away games for a couple of years later. So, right. again, it was just listening to um, Radio 2 at the time, which it was, for the commentaries and sports report to hear what's going on yeah like... jk you, you would have been there maybe no i wasn't there wasn't there i i, I was still scared of the violence i'll be honest with you but yeah, and it, it would have been it, quite edgy up there at that yeah, it was days. very edgy it was. well it was edgy on the pitch too because we got thumped uh basically glenn hoddle put in a bit of a master class didn't help that uh colin pates got sent off um i can't remember when when he got sent uh, second half off, wasn't it 34 minutes yeah okay by which time, by which time we were already 2-0 down. So Patesy gets sent off apparently for a second yellow, although I saw the tackle he did on John Chidozi and he nearly he nearly cut Chidozi in two. <laughs> it was a wonderful tackle. Fabulous tackle. Loved every minute of it. So we're 2-0 down, down to, ten, down to 10 men, uh, and then basically Spurs finish us off. Hoddle didn't score, but I mean, he did everything else. Robert scored on 15 minutes, Miller on 22, Chidozi 45, Falco 72. So very disappointing to lose to that lot. Um, mind you, in some ways, made up a little bit later, uh, having drawn against Luton, beaten Southampton, we then played Arsenal at home um, with the odious Charlie Nicholas playing. And we won this one 2-1. This was a cracking match. I suspect you were probably there for this one, JK. I was. I was. I was. And I remember that terrible sinking feeling when Nicholas scored and then preened around the pitch. Yeah. And... Uh, because uh, it's that thing you just think, oh, we're not going to get back into this. But uh, but boy, did we get back into it. Blimey. We did. Uh, it was. It, I mean, you know, I think we'd been pretty decent on the day anyway, Dan. But uh, 
you know, Nicholas scores on 74 minutes and uh, then Pat Nevin equalises on 77 and then Spackers, now this is a rare thing, a Chelsea penalty, another Chelsea penalty taker. Uh, normally we miss all of our penalties, yeah. but Spackers put this one away. Yeah, because it was a weekend of my birthday as well. So I remember it was like, yes, it really made the birthday perfect because my birthday was on the Friday. I went to game and you're like, oh, penalty. You're like, because you dreaded penalties in those days because Kerry just kept missing them. Well, who, who Speedy was missing them. Kerry, Kerry was missing them. This, the Pat Nevin, that them. Pat Nevin penalty, is that we come to that year yet? Yeah, no, had, no, that great. was la- last year. Yeah, that was the world. I mean, yeah. he's just, he just he hit the bar. I think one game he missed two penalties against Portsmouth, I think, one year in the same match. So he's dreading watching penalties. You almost like, want to turn away and think, oh, no, he's going to miss it. Well, but we, we, we it had away. what is commonly known as a penalty jinx in those days. Yeah. But uh, you you were you were at this match. You must have enjoyed this with the yeah, old. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I mean to to come come back from behind, you know, because I I quite like Charlie Nicholas at, at the time because you know I did like a goal score. You meant you know he was at Celtic, the bitch you saw of him scoring goals for fun, and then you think oh Chelsea could sign him or McAvenny or people like that. You always as a kid you want to you know you have these yeah yeah I agree, I agree I agree I agree yeah like Frank McAvenny. Um, then people like that. I remember a player called Jackie Jackanowski completely going off at tangent. But that no, was really enjoyable. Was, you know, again, it, that staff was just rocking. And it was, it was, it was just really good. To, it was a nice way to celebrate my birthday. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Well, that was a good win. Uh, that win, actually, by the way, chaps, and this is something that we will keep an eye on during the, during the programme tonight. We are now in third position. Uh, we've now played nine games. So I think it's, it's, it's valid to say where we are on the table. But uh, United are in front and number one on 27 points. Blimey, they've got a massive league. Uh, they haven't lost a match so far. They've won four at home and five away. Liverpool, uh, the dreaded Liverpool, of course, who were at their peak at the time, they're in second on 18 points. And guess what? We're on third on 18 points with a better... Uh, I mean, Liverpool have won four at home. We've won five. Uh, maybe they'd only played four. Who knows? But anyway, uh, away, we had won none and we'd drawn three and lost one. Liverpool had won one, drawn three and lost one. So we're doing all right. We're ahead of Newcastle by a point, Spurs by a couple. So it's, you know, happy days at the moment. Third in Division uh, 1. We then play um, Mansfield Town. Of course, you know, we beat Arsenal at home. We're third in the league. We then play Mansfield Town in the uh, Milk Cup and we drew two all. And actually, we we squeaked that one. They were 2-0 up after 16 minutes. And And Kevin Hitchcock's in goal. Kevin Hitchcock's well-spotted. Well spotted. What was it? What, we, what do we call you, Johnny? Well spotted. John, 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 well, Johnny. Well, Johnny boy. Well, well played, Jonathan, Jonathan Kidd. Kid. Get him, my son. Yeah, well played, Jonathan Kidd. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kevin Hitchcock's uh, in goal. Um, I have a feeling he might have saved a penalty. No, he didn't. Speedy uh, on 76, Nevin on 83 meant that we had to replay that. We then play uh, Watford in, at home, and, and this is our first defeat of the season. Now, I'll tell you what, I mean, we, we lose 3-1. I mean, this is on YouTube and I watched this and I, and I just thought, bloody hell, we got kind of strangely battered and bullied by them, which is not unusual by Watford. They're a very, very uh, direct team. Mm. But the, I'll tell you what I found interesting, and Kelvin picks, picks up on this in the book, doesn't he, JK? This is the first kind of sign, really, of how things might be changing and not quite going according to the John Neal plan. John Neal had uh, instrumented a very, very effective 4-4-2. 4 fucking 2 as we should say, Dan. But he had, hadn't he? And the two, the two uh, midfielders on the flanks were usually what we would call wingers. So yeah. you would, would often have, you know, Mickey Thomas and Pat Nevin or, or Mickey Thomas or, uh, sorry, Pat, Pat Nevin and, and Canners. 
you know, you knew what he was trying to do. And it was either to put balls through to, to Dixie. Oh, fuck, I'll get my teeth in a minute. Put balls through to Dixie <laughs> Speedy. Or Spixen and Dixie, whatever you prefer. Dixie Dean. Dixie Dean, yeah, that one. Him, him as well. Or, or go wide and put high balls in for either Speedy or Dixon, both yeah. of whom could head the ball. And what we got here, and this, this, is, this picks up on what you were both saying earlier on, I think, about Mickey Hazard. I mean, I managed to get that right instead of calling him Eden Hazard, so it's not all bad. But, uh, you know, this, I think, picks up on what you were saying because actually what, we've suddenly, what we're starting to get here is, a, is an unbalanced midfield. You got Pat Nevin playing. You got Johnny B. No problem with that. You got uh, you got Mickey Hazard and Spackman. So you you you've got nobody on the left. Nobody yeah. on the left. Nobody on the left. Well, Murphy I mean, tried to. Murphy was a right-sided player as well, wasn't he? It, um, it, it, left. Yeah, we had left. Left. Okay, him. Him. Jerry Murphy, Canners, and Mickey Thomas were all left. Right. Yeah. Of course. No, they were left, he, not right. He, he preferred can he preferred Murphy instead of Canners. Yeah, he which, did. Which seemed a bizarre thing because well, that's what Paul was, so was saying, strong. wasn't it, earlier yeah. on? You know. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing. You know, I could see. I could see. You know, you could either you could play Bumstead and Spackman as two central midfielders, but you don't really have an awful lot of creativity. You could have Bumstead or Hazard or Spackman and Hazard, but not Bumstead, Hazard and Spackman. And again, I think it's really interesting is that we see these dilemmas and issues happening all the time now at Chelsea and, and have done in recent... I mean, you could say the same now. Why can you play Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho and Mount together, you know? Yeah. We're, we're, we're so much more informed, Chich, now. We're so much more informed than we were the then. What then, mate? Do you remember... Well, but, well, we, 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 as I say, we weren't given information in the same way. You're just getting it from the papers. You're just... Or you're getting it from game to game and you're watching and you work out... Oh, Hazard didn't play very well. Why is he taking it? I mean, you're not being able to work out as I can now that Hazard was a different type of player. You can you see it, but you just think, oh, he's not fitting in very well, or he's a bit slow, or whatever. You can now see it's the fact that you can apply your knowledge of of the way that t of uh, that the manager is trying to play, and and it makes more sense as to why these things didn't work. You know, it, it's um, which I like very much actually to be able to look back on a season and think. Yeah, I can see now why that wasn't working because of the more information we're getting about the yeah. whole process now. But at the time, it was unbelievably frustrating. You couldn't work it out. I mean, I have to say, I like Murphy as a player very much. And um, he was a very skillful, skillful boy. He'd been playing for Palace, wasn't he? Supposedly during the t Terry Venables. He was an time. Irish international, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought he, he was very skillful, played some very good. He was a very good passer of the ball, but not as good as our boy Canners, mate. No, indeed. And, and the pace indeed, as well. Completely. Paul Canaveral was a much better player. Well, or Mickey more, Thomas, for that matter. Yeah, oh, well, Mickey Thomas was, was uh, one of my favourite players ever, as you know. So yeah. it, it, they seem to replace better players with, with weaker players for the process of trying to find a way of playing that I don't think worked. I, I find that the hazard purchase in the end, the way that he played, was peculiar. was yeah. a peculiar purchase. He should have bought someone else or tried to change the way the team was playing well, rather than just stick him in the middle. There's, there's a comment that, uh, um, I mean, this comes right at the end, um, towards the end of the season in Kelvin's book, where Nigel Spackman was interviewed and he moans like stink about the, the, the mud pile that is Stamford Bridge in those indeed, days. Indeed. And yeah. he was saying, you know, this pitch is cost, costing us games because we're trying to play on the floor. We're changing our style from this direct style where we were getting up quickly, putting in crosses. 
And it sounds to me like that's what Hollins was trying to do. He buys Hazard as a creative midfield player who yeah, can ping yeah. passes short and long, you know, so you get that option. And, and clearly he's trying to change Chelsea's style. And we all know what happens when that happens. It quite often doesn't work. Getting back to the football, um, I have to, I've now suddenly remembered actually that uh, the wonderful John Barnes opened the scoring for Watford oh. right on, yeah, with an absolute goal. Absolutely. World he, class he goal. is, he is absolutely phenomenal, isn't yeah. he? It's before I mean, he, he goes to Liverpool. It never replicated it for for England. No, but, did but for I Liverpool mean, though. One game yeah, he did, yeah, phenomenal player because he had like him, Callahan, and Blissett. Callahan, yeah, absolutely. And, and Blissett, Blissett. Blissett was an absolute bully of a player. I mean, he was yeah. just yeah. Good so player. strong. He, I mean, you watch the highlights; he absolutely battered our defence. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not on it on the day against a team like Watford, Dan, you, you're going to get beaten. Yeah. You yeah, know. especially that, that the pay, the power and pace they had. They had some, you know, the fullbacks like Wash, Will Frostrud and Kenny yeah. Jackett and so on. They were a really well organised team. And they they, were that Barnes goal was just absolute thing of beauty at the top corner. He's just that unsavable. Well, the best thing that happened that day for Chelsea was that Callaghan missed a penalty and Doug Rugby scored. Beyond that, there's not much to say. Yeah. Um, now, the next match is interesting. We're not going to talk about it, but it needs to be mentioned in reference because it will have relevance later on. But on the Wednesday, the 2nd of October, 1985, we play in a full Members' Cup round one match at Stamford Bridge with the uh, packed to the rafter stadium of 6,833 people there. Now, the full Members' Cup, of course, everybody knows what it is now, but in those days, not many people did. It was basically invented by Ken Bates, and I think... Uh, it Wales. It was Peter Swales, Swales yeah. City, wasn't it? Yeah. Because basically, all English clubs have been banned from Europe uh, because of the Heisel uh, horribleness from the, uh, the summer uh, in May. Um, so the big clubs the ones that were, 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 should have been played in Europe invented their own competition the name of which escapes me now so everybody else uh, that weren't in that one invented the the full members cup the um, screen sports, sports super cup yeah thank you screen sports super cup well done uh, anyway batesy and swales invented the full members cup uh, because obviously there was a serve you know we there was spare time to play games and it was kind of regionally based to begin with which is why we were playing portsmouth in the southern group uh, and uh, just hold on to that thought. We won 3 0, uh, Bumstead, Hazard, and Dixon scoring. Um, but it has great significance later on in the season. As Dan... Can I say, Chidge? Yes. I had no interest in it whatsoever. No, no absolutely. Were you, uh, did you go? No. No. Dan? No, did I? No, I was allowed to school night. Yeah. I mean, what, what, Jonathan, why didn't you go? Because it was an invention and there were only five top clubs in it, and I didn't care. And, the, uh, and I'd rather have watched the the, uh, the Screen Sports Super Cup, but I don't know what happened to that. They certainly didn't play their final at Wembley, did they? So, um, well, we were definitely we were definitely the strongest side in the full members cup. The probably day. why Bates did. Well, Bates was just up. Good old, I'm um, good old Bates. I mean, take your hat off to him once again. He's he's created a competition where he knows we're going to make some dosh out of it, which we ultimately did at, at Wembley. He's no fool, right? Anyway, going back to the league, uh, we beat City away. We're still in third. Uh, we beat Millwall, Millwall. We beat Mansfield in the Milk Cup in the replay. If you remember, we do them two nil. Dixon, guess what? Dixon missed a penalty on <laughs> seventy-eight minutes. I really must. I must. You know, I talked to him. Funnily enough, this evening before the show, and and I, I should have asked it. I'm going to have next time I speak to him. I'm going to say, mate, what is it with all these missed penalties? Goodness, great. Call yourself a striker. Yeah. Anyway, did he uh, ever we, practice them? 
Yeah, well, now we'll I'm, ask him. You know, Kerry will be honest. You know what he's like. I'm pretty be... sure he would have broken the record had he put his missed penalties away. Well, I might actually go through and be a bit of a, an Arsenal type yeah. nerd and go through and count all the missed penalties that Kerry yeah. made. So, do you realize, mate, you could exactly, I bet you're right, Dan. I bet I can you're think right. Of at least eight or nine that he missed. Yeah, definitely. He, he, he yeah. missed, the, he missed the, the target an enormous amount, didn't he? We hit the bar quite often. Yeah. He, he tends to blast it down the middle quite often. He often quite often hit the bar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you put that one against United last season wide. I remember that because that was on YouTube. Right, next match, Saturday the 12th of October, God's chosen time for football, three o'clock. We play Everton at home. Everton, of course, are the current champions, having won the league last season. Now, um, I, I have no recollection. I wasn't at the game. It's not on YouTube. But Kelvin, who I trust in, in, implicably, impeccably, implicitly even. Implicably. Uh, Implicably, and I'm, I really need to get my teeth in. I think I'm so fried after the mammoth show we did last night. But yes, yes. Um, basically, Kelvin says it was the best 45 minutes uh, of the season, uh, the first half. Uh, Kerry scores after 40 minutes, sorry, four minutes, Speedy after 40 minutes. Uh, so we're 2 0 up at, at half time. Uh, no, we're not. It's 2 1. Sorry. Sheedy gets a goal. I, I don't really know much about this match. But the other thing, guess what? Guess Kerry what? We missed the penalty. Absolutely right. Apart from it was Spackman this time. Oh. Spacked it over the bar, yeah. mate. 21 minutes. So he could have been 3-1 up. Um, uh, Graham Sharp, funnily enough, he missed a penalty. Maybe it's, it's contagious, maybe. But, I mean, Jonathan, I presume, and Dan, I presume you were both there. Do you have any memories of this match? Uh, I, I, well, I, I was there, yeah, definitely. Absolutely, definitely. But... Um, um, uh, I liked Everton very much. I like watching them. Yeah. They're really good side. They were a they? very good side. Very, at the very time. pleased to. They uh, very pleased to watch them. And Sheedy was a great player. Um, uh, Irish. The whole, the whole team was great. I mean, you had Ratcliffe and Van den Howe and Southall was a really solid back line. And then Van den Howe was a, Van den Howe was animal. a nasty piece of work. He's there, animal, but yeah, he's a, he, he was, was he was yeah. hard as nails. He Kevin yeah. Ratcliffe, Dave Watson, and is it John Bailey? I'll tell you who the team was that they had. They had uh, yeah. Southall in goal, as we know, brilliant keeper. Uh, Stevens, uh, oh, of course, yeah. you know, uh, England Gary. player. Yeah. Uh, Bailey, uh, Ratcliffe, Vanden Howe, Richardson, uh, Adrian Heath came on for him. Uh, Stephen as well. Gary yeah. Lineker, Graham Sharp, Paul Bracewell, and uh, Sheedy. That's yeah. a good, it's a good the team. The only one that's missing who would normally be in there is Peter Reid. Has Andy Gray gone by that point? Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. Not yeah, sure. I mean that. I mean that. That midfield like Brace Rowe Richardson they had a really, really good side. Because one of my best mates at school was an Everton fan, and he used to go. He used to go um, every every week home and away up to Everton or wherever they were playing with his dad. So I went with him, and I really enjoyed winning two one because obviously they'd just been champions, and that was nothing we could ever dreamt of. So it was vaguely in the winning, and then being quite um, less less than um, Curtis on the way back in the car. Well, I think I think really we were fantastic in the first half, and uh, uh, I'm reading Kelvin's book and thinking, remember echoing that um, that feeling of then the second half we just hung on. It's that wonderful Chelsea thing of uh, being superb, hoping to sustain it in the second half, and no, somehow tactically it's changed. And uh, as I say, that business about not not being able to put your finger on the reason. I think now it, it's easier to watch games and go, "Oh, that's why we were suddenly under the cosh because they pressed foot, they pressed further forward, or they they changed the system." But um, to me, it was an example actually of how um, uh, I didn't think Hollins was completely on the ball in the same way as John Neal was. I, I think there was still that little bit of doubt, even though we beat them. It was a very good win, but it's that kind of feeling of. Why can't we sustain that that 
45 minutes that we had at the beginning. I suppose you can't in that instance. Was it fitness levels at that point, do you think? Or? It, may have, well, it may have been the pitch, of course, again, because what you but said... this was October, was so it wouldn't have been that bad, would it, in October? Well, it was, it, I don't know, it was, it was frequently, it seemed to be frequently either sand or waterlogged. It was one yeah. of the two. I remember like the first game of the season, you see this beautiful green pitch, and then by, by Christmas, it was mud bath. Well, I think there are lots of reasons, but I actually think I have the answer to this but I'm going to wait to right to the end of the show to reveal it because it's not me who reveals it. It's actually some of the, the players I spoke to who can tell you what happened, why, you know, what was missing, basically. How interesting. Chidge is, um, is a cliffhanger. I love Mystic it. Chidge. Now, what I can tell you, because it is a fact, not just a Chidge fact, this is a real fact, but uh, um, after the Everton game, Chelsea is still third in the table after 12 games on 24 points. We are level. We are level with apparently, according to the media, the greatest team that ever walked the earth, which is Liverpool in the 80s. Uh, so we've got 24 points, they've got 24 points. United, astonishingly, still haven't lost, and they're on 34 points. So we are, we are doing really well. Um, now, I mean, I have to ask you two, at this point in the season, uh, kind of, you know, mid, mid-October, what are you thinking, Jonathan? You've just beaten the champions. You're third in the table, equal of Liverpool. Your hopes, your hope that you echo every season could be coming true. I have my sights set on the title, Judge. But, <laughs> but it's Chelsea, Judge. <laughs> it's a Chelsea thing. Yes. So, <laughs> so I'm being, I'm being um, pessimistically optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Dan? You're, you're so, more, you're more realistic than Jake. Yeah, Hanks, I think, so. I think, I think. I said, my dad said, don't get your hopes up or worst that effect because, you know, I've yeah. been going for X amount of years and they, they always shoot themselves in the foot. So don't, well, don't get too excited. Guess what? You know, rule number one, always listen to your old man. Yeah. Okay. Spot on. Because the next match is against Oxford United, right? What happens? We lose 2-1. Well, in truth, possibly because the manogram was infamous for having a slope, which is about as difficult to play on as QPR's plastic pitch. Yeah. From a personal point of view, I would like to say it's probably because Trevor Hebbard, uh, you know, Byton's greatest living bloke who uh, went to my school uh, and was married to my best friend's sister, uh, he was playing. Uh, maybe it had something to do with that. Um, but uh, also, of course, Peter Rhodes Brown, formerly of this parish in Chelsea, he managed to score the winner. Of course uh, he did. Of course yeah. he did. And some bloke who we've never heard of called Aldrich. I don't know, John Aldrich, ever heard of him? Funny Tash Scouser. Yeah, well, he scored the first goal. Uh, they had Ray Houghton playing for them as well. They were a good side. They won the, uh, the won League the Cup, league I cup. Think. Yeah, yeah, well, They won 3-0 in the final, didn't they? The they QPR, did indeed. They? They did in, yeah, their yeah. QPR. Yeah. So there you go. So, um, well, I mean, thankfully, we're still third. Uh, and then we have the distraction of a, uh, an away win um, against Charlton in the full Members' Cup. And then, drum roll needed for this. And I fessed this up to Jonathan last night, just after we recorded the show. Um, I mean, this just gives you an idea of how drunk and stoned I was at the time. I was under the misapprehension that the first match I went to, and I think I said this on the episode of My Chelsea that I did, that I went to see Chelsea play Man United, and I thought it was in, in the 84-85 season. Well, I was wrong. And I suddenly had great empathy with JK, who, who's been doing every one of these shows with me and watches the same YouTube clips and says, God, I can't remember being there, but I was there. No, I saw it and I remembered. I had an exactly similar experience when I found the... Chelsea Man United match on October the 26th in 1985 because that was the first uh, kind of proper Chelsea match I went to and I remember it vividly because I was living in and around Hollywood Road at the time and that's why I figured it out because uh, um, 
I refused to go. My, my university moved to Egham, and I, I had basically, the deal I'd signed up to was that it was in Regent's Park. Uh, so they moved it, the whole thing, lock, stock and barrel, kicked us all out. London University, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Bedford College I went to. Yeah. And it ceased to be uh, at the end of uh, the May 1985, you know, that summer. So they moved it to Egham, to Royal Holloway. And I didn't like the idea of going there. So I basically stayed in London for the whole of the second year and didn't really go. (laughs) (laughs) And I was basically camping on my mate's floors in Hollywood Road. And I I ended up getting a whole grotty flat in Westbourne Park as well, I think. And uh, Hereford Road, it was. Uh, So, yeah, so I I had more time. And and there we go. So I ended up getting drunk and going to this match. I remember it being a crisp, quite a cold day, actually. I could be wrong. it was a hell of a match. I'm presuming you two were both there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was a hell of a match. And actually the YouTube clip does it huge justice because I do remember, I remember it being rammed like sardines. I remember, I mean, actually it really came back to me that the, when, it, when it kicked off, the Chelsea crowd were all cheering the minute anybody anybody in blue touched the ball. I mean, the atmosphere was electric. No one, and and um, they, they also the chant they had, Chidge, that here we go. Was here, here we go, go here we go, that, here we yeah, go. Which, yeah, yeah. Which, which the, the Scots had first started, but it, it still was it was still going in its its dribs and drabs. It was still something that occasionally would start up. And everybody would do that strange what one fist in the air, then the other fist in the air movement. As if they were coming. Here we go. You'd have these hundreds of people all doing the same arm movement as if they yeah. were uh, milking a cow on a conveyor yeah. belt. That's right. The other chant that I really liked, and I think, you know, we might as well talk about it now because it applies to the whole of the season, really. The other thing that, that that's dawned on me watching all of these clips is just how bloody fantastic Chelsea's support was at home and away those days. It, and, and, the, and the way, the, the, the thing that epitomises this for me is whenever we conceded a goal, they would launch immediately into a Chelsea, 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 or a we love you, we, we love you, Chelsea, we do. We were more vocal when we conceded than we were at any other time. So we really, I mean, and, and, and I'm thinking back to nowadays, and I know there's a few, probably our generation, who try and do that at Stamford Bridge now, but quite often you just get stunned silence and approbation dismay dismay yeah it, you, you know, also, it, Chidge, also Chidge, another thing that they did was at the very beginning of the game every player had a chance mm, mm. which is something that i've always despaired of when you get some player even in the 2005 season several players didn't have chance and you yeah. thought hang on this isn't fair on the other one no. every player in this season had a chance can you remember any of them I think there was one Pat Nevin. There's only one Pat Nevin. Doug Rugby. One Kerry Dixon as well, wasn't it? Yeah, one Kerry Dixon. Speedo, Speedo, Speedo. Speedo, speedo absolutely. Speedo, Speedo. 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 Um, Batman. Na, 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 it was something, um, something as banal as that. They were very. What I loved about them was that, that none of them were as as they, they weren't terribly difficult. They were either a one word thing, as you say, uh, Speedo, Eddie, Eddie. They were just very quick. And Colin you always get an acknowledgement from the player. That was what was good as well. They yeah. were listening. They were listening for it. Colin Pates, Colin Pates, Colin yeah, Pates. And even Colin Lee, Colin Lee, Colin Lee. Probably I can't remember. But well, just also to make a point, make a point about Colin Lee, who of course had been a centre forward. Was uh, was playing centre half and le- and right and left back. 
I bet, I bet, I will, uh, the season. Uh, you know, Joe McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Kevin yeah, yeah. McAllister. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. obviously fitted the, the Robert silver. Isaac. Yeah, I don't know if Robert Isaac had one actually because he didn't play very often. No, he didn't. I don't think he did. Darren Wood. Darren I think Wood, I think Darren Doug Rugby had a had quite a distinctive one, as I recall. Do you remember that one? I didn't mean Rugby, 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 Rugby. I don't know. I can't remember. This is where we need. We had something else about kicking people or something, if I remember. I yeah, probably. I mean, um, Dan, sorry. I was going to say, now, Doug Ruby, he kicks who he wants. If he now, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doug yeah. the thug, Doug the thug, Doug the thug. Um, I mean, turning to the match, as I said, it was it was a real humdinger of a match. Remember, United are unbeaten at the top of the table. They haven't lost for ages. Uh, Mark Hughes has scored nine goals so far on the season. Kerry scored six in six for us. Um, Brian Moore, absolutely loving every minute of it. Uh, there we go. 13 matches unbeaten, United. And now we had loads of chances. I remember Kerry, I mean, that shot that Kerry did right at the beginning of the match looked like it was something out of a Royal of the Rovers annual. The whole body movement, basically, he just volleyed it. That classic kind of pose with the straight right leg. It was phenomenal. How Bailey, I think Bailey was brave enough to get in the way of it, but he saved it really, really well. So we had loads of chances. We had all of the game. And then out of nothing. Wasn't it Chris Turner? Yeah. Absolutely. Out of nothing, Jesper Olsen, Man United's Danish uh, winger, scores. Uh, arguably, Eddie could have done better. It went under him a bit. Uh, second half, it all goes mental. Kerry has a goal ruled out for offside. Cannot, for the life of me, think why. Their awful, awful player, the big centre-back, Hogg, gets sent off for a second yellow. Uh, the referee, incidentally... Um, is John Martin from Alton. I think it's the same referee that I was astonished by the, last week. He was from Four Marks, which is that little village just up the road from me where I grew up. But anyway, he sends off Hogg. Uh, and then Joe McLaughlin scores a really scrappy goal where McGrath missed it, basically. Carry it, the ball hits the post. They don't clear it. McLaughlin scores. Moments after that, Dixon hits the bar with a rasping shot. And does this sound familiar? Man United's only shot on target in the entire second half is an absolute screamer from Mark Hughes, which picks up all three points. I mean, again, football never changes. They get all the decisions, all the luck, and they come out away with a spawny win. It's so Man United, Jonathan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't they get, but didn't um, in the away game, in fact, uh, which we win, we're going to get on to that. Um, uh, Ken Bates has a remarkable go at the uh, United chairman about mm. their their late penalties and their do the dodginess of the refereeing decisions because he's yeah. really surprised that they've won. We're up at up at Old Trafford. We win there, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, nothing changes. But nothing I suppose in a sense that's that dreadful thing of saying that's football is you can be under the cosh for 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 ninety minutes and go down the other end and and score. And uh, <clears throat> it, 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 there are so many other other ways of uh, it doesn't really matter how you apply yourself if if the referee is inept or if the linesman's inept or if you get an injury or somebody's sent off or something it um you're uh, you can you can things can change your perhaps uh, your mental attitude changes because you get complacent because they're only got 10 and they they battle more and um they were you did have the difference of course is that mark hughes scored a wonderful goal because he's a wonderful player and he was that, 
that may be the difference is you've got a wonderful player who gets you the three points. Well, we had a wonderful player who got us three points. It's Carrie. I mean, you know, we, we had, had and, Pat, and Pat and Speedo. And, and Pat and Speedo. But I mean, you know, Hughesy in gets, this instance, you know, Hughes, so. Hughes goes to Barcelona at the end of the season, just proving, yeah. you know, we all know about Hughesy. Of course, he comes back to us and is a brilliant player. Now, thanks to losing to Oxford and United on the bounce, we're now down to fifth. We have a bit of light relief because we have our, our neighbours Fulham in the Milk Cup. Uh, and that ends up being a 1-1 draw. Uh, and I believe, uh, yeah, they scored a penalty in the last minute, would you believe? So that was a bit squeaky. We beat Ipswich after that, and then we beat Fulham in the replay uh, at Craven Cottage. Uh, then we beat Forest 4-2, which in those days is not a bad shout, uh, although they're not quite the team that they uh, that they used to be when they were winning European Cups. We draw with West Brom away, beat Newcastle 3-1 away, beat Villa 2-1 at home, and then we have Everton, would you believe, in the Milk Cup. Uh, so, you know, that's a bit Sorry, of Can I just draw. talk a Yeah, we can go back the, to anyone you want. I just kind of just... The, the Fulham game the, um, was um, uh, Keith Dublin actually scored, didn't he? But the ref um, had already blown the whistle for the game. So well, this is the very last kick when it was 1-1. And... Um, and uh, and so all the Chelsea players leapt in the air and then all the Fulham players leapt in the air. So this, there was this bizarre sight of both sets of teams celebrating. And, um, and, and I remember I was there, I watched both Fulham games. I remember thinking, what on earth is going on here? What's he, why have they, has he not given the goal? And he'd done a bizarre thing that I don't think referees do. Well, who was it did it in the middle of a, of a corner, the ball coming over some, some, like Clive Thomas did it, yeah, didn't he? In, in, the in Sweden, corner. Brazil. He, he, blew, yeah, he blew the whistle just before the ball had been headed in. And I think then the directive went round, no, you wait for that phase of play to finish before you blow the whistle. Yeah. But in this instance, Dublin got the ball and shot. And just as he was shooting, the referee blew the whistle. So then had to explain to the players that, no, it was still 1-1. So you had this bizarre sight of both sets of players celebrating on the pitch. And, th and then Chelsea realising that it was a draw. And they were back to the cottage. Any comments to make about the matches I've just reeled off? Did any particularly spring to mind? Fagan them against the West Brom game in the Cup. And I did the way, and there's a different season. I remember Gary Thompson, I think, might have scored. Yeah, and that was, was it? No, a different season. I remember West Brom beat us at Stanford Bridge, and Gary Thompson scored. That must have been a different season because he absolutely battered our. Were you, at the, were you at the Villa game, the home game in the league? Don't yes. remember that one particularly. Um, I remember the big games. Yes. Actually, you know what? No, I want to go because my mum's a Villa fan, so my mum and dad would have gone to that match. Well, we, we have uh, you know a couple of big games coming up. I mean, Milk Cup round four. Remember, we we got to the semi final last season. We're very unluckily dumped out of it by uh, Sunderland. Very disappointingly dumped out of it by by Sunderland. We now play again Everton, who, as I said, are, are champions at the time uh, at home. Uh, the Melt Cup round uh, round four, uh, we uh, we we draw two all. Apparently, this was a. I mean, I, I would imagine you you were both there. I'm not sure. Were you both there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, it was a bit of a brawl by all accounts. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. But we no, actually. I was very keen. I, I was very keen on watching Everton. I'm very happy to see them because they were so. I said before, I really enjoyed watching some of these top teams because you were you were seeing them on television so much as well. And that was the way it worked, is you saw the top teams on the box more. Um, so and we were a top team at the time, but we were still, I think there was still media bias even then. And, uh, and Everton and Liverpool and Man U were the, uh, 
were the favourites. And Arsenal. The and Arsenal, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, nothing, yeah. Changes. nothing uh, changes. Kerry puts us one up after a minute. Um, Sheedy equalises after two. Uh, and then Bracewell puts them 2-1 up after 13, and then Pat scores on 39 minutes. It was Dale Jasper's final appearance. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which is something to note. Now, we, we, we stay up in Scouseland for the next match on the Saturday, where we play Liverpool. We're in fourth, by the way, so we've crept up again. Uh, Liverpool are still second. Uh, and, I, and we draw 1-1, and I, I, I kind of <clears throat> highlight this, because, you know, Chelsea getting results up at Anfield in those days was almost unheard of. Um, we we often we quite often did well at them at home, but uh, very seldom did we get anything up there um, in, in 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 the cup or the league. Uh, Kenny Dalglish is now their player manager, of course. Um, but we, I mean, that's another bizarre match. You know, not not bizarre in the fact that Jan Mulby got a penalty on eighty six minutes in front of the cop. Who knew that would ever happen? <laughs> but strangely, strangely, uh, Pat Nevin scores on eighty eight minutes to get pretty much a last minute equaliser. So that's a really good result, and I think that's the kind of you know, this is, again, so classically Chelsea, isn't it, um, that we would play really, really well against the big teams. I mean, you know, I just talked about the Man United match. I think a game that we should have won, not least because they were down to 10 men. Um, you know, we beat Everton, the champions. We're now drawing uh, up at Anfield, who eventually are the champions this year. We, we always have this habit of pulling it out against the, the, the really top sides. And then, you know, invariably we'll lose to the crap ones. Um, so there you go. That's Chelsea, baby. Um, moving kind of swiftly along. I mean, as I said, we beat... Uh, we beat. Uh, um, it was actually... Do you know what? I'm wrong about the brawl, uh, JK. The brawl was in the replay. Up at, yeah, uh, yeah. Goodness at yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't Southall sent off for handling the ball in, outside uh, the penalty area? No. Uh, Darren Wood was sent off for us. Oh, was he? Right, we right. still won. We won 2-1, so... Up yours, Scousers. Um, so we're kind of now turning, we're into, set, into December. The full, full Members' Cup still trugging along. Um, although, of course, we're now, I think, into the semi-final stage uh, where we beat Oxford away 4-1. Uh, now, as I said, Oxford had a decent side then and uh, they'd actually beaten us in the league. Kerry scores a hat-trick, 4-1 box seat so the home leg where we drew sorry we lost one nil uh didn't matter because it meant that we were in a Wembley final uh more to the well sorry a regional final because I don't think you get to the Wembley quite yet but the interesting thing was that Kelvin was wrote in the book uh Jonathan that, that Chelsea Chelsea got booed off for losing one nil to Oxford even though they'd made it to a final only Chelsea can do this but I think they'd be booed off by the, the 6,000 fans because I think 8,528. I'm so sorry, I've underestimated the, uh, the, the hugeness of the crowd. Well, it can make some 6,000. Yes, probably, yes. But it, it wasn't being a success with the fans still, let's be honest. And, and, my, and the other competition, I had no idea what on earth happened with that one at all. Any idea, Chidge, what happened to that? What other competition? No, no, I couldn't even remember what it was called, mate. No, I, I got it right. I told you earlier. The, um, the sports uh, scene. Yeah, sports scene. Yeah. What? 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 What was that ever played? Did that I don't dribble, know. dribble I've out? Never I've, seen, I've never seen any any footage of it or anything. No, because that was supposed to be all the all the teams who qualified for Europe. Yeah. So, yeah. but no, I've never. Um, I don't know what happened. Where was it played? Did it, it was, not ever um, happen? It was won by Liverpool. Surprisingly, they beat Everton in the final. Um, eighteen teams, eighteen matches between six teams. One team, eighty-five, eighty-six. That was it. And and that, and where was the final played? 
Uh, doesn't say. It looks like it was at Anfield. Possibly, yeah. And that was the... Um, yeah, no, Anfield, by the looks of it, yeah. Oh, no, it's it was a Chile final, Goodison Park and Anfield. Anyway. Yeah. anyway Who yeah, so, cares? Yeah. Who cares? Well, good Not on Bates. Either. You know, Bates got it at Wembley because there was a period well, where that, that's he, he didn't know where it was going to be, where the final was going to be. But Anyway, um, moving swiftly along, last, uh, last game of the year. I always like to do this last game of the year. I think it's a really good cutoff, not just for the show, where I can slip a, a, a quick break in, but also where we are at the end of the year. And of course, we played Tottenham on the 28th of December. Remember, they beat us 4-1, I think, up at the lane earlier in the season. Well, uh, I'm delighted to say we got our, uh, got our revenge uh, by uh, two goals to nil. Brilliant uh, Kerry Dixon header, bullet header uh, on 90 minutes. And Spacker's got a penalty. We scored another penalty. That must be the second of the season uh, on 62 minutes. Um, I think we were we, we battered them, basically, from what I remember. But it was quite funny watching the, the, the footage that I found on YouTube, the Irish commentary, Dan. Oh, it was diabolical. I mean, Mental. Where did that come from? I don't know. I who, don't know. Yeah. I don't know what game he's watching half the time. It was just diabolical. I think it's weird. I think the same guy was used the old Chelsea every season videos. I think they use him quite a lot because when you hear them, all cut together as an abysmal Irish commentator, commentator of the game. So you quite often got players' names wrong. So well, there you go. Yeah. Do you he was very happy, wasn't he? He was a very happy, happy Irish commentator. Yeah. Everything was like that. Oh, oh yes. Like, oh, look at that. Oh. It, must, it must have been from an Irish broadcaster that that YouTube clip has been liberated from. Um, Jonathan, did you remember the match at all? Uh, the, what, the, the Spurs game? Uh, yeah. Yes, I remember the joy of beating them. I yeah. remember the, uh, the uh, exaltation of... Uh, of uh, laughing at uh, the fact that we'd uh, we'd turned him over and Kerry scoring a wonderful goal and Spackman actually scoring a penalty, uh, all those things and also um, uh, admirer of Hoddle as always. But um, we uh, we seem tactically to outdo him. Um, mm. uh, uh, and um, as I say, great Kerry God Kerry was was really on fire that day. So uh, yeah, definitely yeah. always would have been against them because of course he got rejected by them. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV, oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live—it's <laughs> all too much. <laughs> I know, J.K. I know, it's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices, 
It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Yeah. Uh, the great thing is, is that at the end of the year, the end of 1985, we sit in second position in Football League Division 1, just two points behind United, who at one stage were about 10 points clear of everybody. But United are first on 49 points. We're second on 47. Everton, uh, the current champions of 46 in third. Liverpool, fourth on 46. So, I mean, that's the highest we've been, kind of legitimately, I would say, JK, for something approaching 15, 20 years, maybe. Uh, yes. How are you yes. feeling at this stage? Well, once again, pessimist, pessimistically optimistic. What's going to happen? Yeah, there's always that, yeah. Just a, an element that uh, always intrigued me about the ground is um, uh, various bits of the shed or bits of the ground would Ken would decide to 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 lop off. He just he he put a, he, he, they put fences up so you'd have uh, thus reducing the capacity. And I was always bewildered by that. I just wonder whether in some instances the terraces were crumbling or whether. Um, they just decided it was more easily containable. But the shed was an example. There was a bit by the pylon, by the, the, uh, the floodlight pylon, that was always um, um, roped Empty. off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, You're and looking a, at the shed on the, on the far left side, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And as a consequence, you know, it always lots of weeds on it because yeah. nobody would... would it, look, it was so tatty looking. We accepted an element of tat, didn't we, about the ground. We're playing... We're second in the division... We've got a falling down. Stanford stand. Bridge is falling down. Falling yeah, well, it really it was. At least we've got rid of the North Stand and they've got the, uh, the opposition fans go in that other bit where the scoreboard used to be. Scoreboard hadn't reappeared, had it? After they'd run out the, the, the lease and they decided to send it back. And you've got the shed. The shed is much the same. You've still got, you, well, they, I think they, they put more and more advertising hoardings up for the television. So you've got those always lying across at an angle. So in a sense, we're not being treated. I know we had no money um, and he's left that as the status quo. And he's always coming up with ideas, Bates, as he did the year before when he attempted to get 20,000 quid, didn't he, from the Sunderland game um, just by by saying, no, you can't have the television rights. I want 20,000. And uh, so, that, so it wasn't shown on TV. Um, so you, he was always up to that. Um, and yet at the same time, you've got to admire the fact that he was putting the money into the team in a way that the club hadn't been doing. And, uh, and he came up with the full Members' Cup, but when we get down to it, was uh, um, uh, a huge money spinner in the final. So, you know, congratulations to him. But- um, Foresight, wasn't it? It was what, sorry, what? Real foresight from Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had, he had a lot of knockers, but- Oh, a lot of hatred. I think he was a, a difficult businessman. I think he was, um, uh, but he, he saved the club. He was always trying to come up with ideas. The very fact that we're competing after he'd bought the club for a quid and we're, and we're second 
is something he should be praised for. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point, actually, because he's not he's only been there for a few years and, and we are, well, we're second in the league. I mean, I, yeah. I, as I said, that's the first time for 15, 20 years near as damn it. We go into the new year, of course, traditionally first weekend. I mean, the weather is absolutely beyond shit, by the way. There's going to be lots of postponements and rearrangements and all of that, a bit like the year before. Uh, but the uh, first match of the new year, 1986, is against our, well, I would, a bogey side, really, old Sheffield Town. Uh, they are managed by, not by Ian McNeil, by this stage, Chick Bates, apparently. But anyway, uh, we win 1-0, which I think is a massive result, considering we nearly, you know, we quite often lost against them in the, in the early part of the 80s. So we're um, into the next round of the FA Cup. In the meantime, we've got uh, an, a milk round cup, uh, milk, round, milk cup round five uh, match away to QPR. Now, QPR at the time are, you know, uh, they're in Division One, but uh, as my memory serves, they're, they're struggling a bit, actually. They're, yeah, they're kind of lower half of the table. I mean, they're in about 16th, I think, by the looks of it. But they're not the not not. I mean, they had that kind of purple patch, didn't they, at the beginning of the 80s, of course. But anyway, we're we're in the fifth round of the Milk Cup against them. We go to Loftus Road, which of course still has a plastic pitch. And it, apparently, um, according to Motson, it was a finely developed stadium. And I was yeah. thinking, what? It's an absolute <laughs> shithole, Motson. Well, that's, anyway. that's the problem. It's still exactly like it was. Well, I was thinking that yeah. when I watched these clips, funnily enough, Dan. Of course, they've still got the plastic pitch, which is the bane of... I mean, I think... I mean, it's really interesting watching the, the YouTube clips that, that, that they have on these matches and all the players are having to wear these kind of rather chunky-looking trainers rather than football boots. But it's an, it's an abomination to play on because, the, you know, QPR have a downright advantage because they're used to the bounce and it bounces very differently. Anyway, Cardigan... Also everybody on... falls over, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah actually, that, actually that, I, I noticed that a lot of people... It must have been slippery, do you think? Yeah. I think when it got wet, it was just a bit difficult to, to stand up Because it wasn't like AstroTurf, like the stuff they have, the G4. What are, is, what are they called, Dan? Is it G4? Uh, uh, bank. Um... You play on them, mate. No, 4G. 4G. Close, yeah. close. Yeah. Got, got it the wrong way around. Yeah. It's not like that, because that is like grass. But these weren't. I think you're right, JK. I think it must have been quite slippery. But the bounce was hard to control. There's no doubt yeah. about that. And and it, we found it hard playing on there. And as I said, plastic fans, plastic pitch. Uh, but uh, the match itself, um, I think Burns scored after 12 minutes, didn't he? Uh, Pat uh, volleyed us level on 25 minutes. Uh, but the, the the controversy about this match was the fact that uh, Kerry scores a goal towards the end of the game, which was waved offside. Um, but I think uh, he wasn't offside, was he? It no. was it was Speedy, yeah, who was offside, which uh, was very very unfortunate. Which means we have to take them back to the bridge. Guess what the next game is? They're starting to come thick and fast. Next game, FA Cup round four, Liverpool at home. Now in those days. You're thinking, well, bring it on, you know. We always we've beat got, Liverpool. We've got in the, the cup sign over them, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened, J.K.? We lost two-one. Indeed, it was the finally moment of the season for a lot of reasons. I think it really yeah. sort of affected how the rest of the season panned out for us. I think. Totally right, Dan. And I think yeah. the main reason for that is I think after something like six minutes, I could um, be wrong. It was very early. Kerry went up for a header around the centre line. I think he twelve did, minutes. Yeah, he went up for a header with somebody quite. Innocuous had him near the in his own half. I think he fell badly. He did eight minutes, not twelve. Definitely Sorry. early on. He eight minutes. Yeah. yeah, and he. I didn't say kind of exactly what he did, but he he never used to go down. Kerry, he, he was down for a long time, and eventually came off. 
Well, indeed. And um, if you speak to the great man, I mean, he was out for a fair chunk of the season at a very, very crucial time. Um, you know, this was World Cup year. And of course, eventually he does go off uh, to Mexico with England to play in the World Cup. But uh, it, it was, it was an, he'd only really just recovered from injury properly by the time he went out there. I mean, he did play for us towards the end of the season, but he was, you know, he was mindful of that. I think it was a stomach uh, injury, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Pulled a muscle in his stomach or something. I don't think he was ever quite the same after that injury. I don't know. Because he was always, I think that bit of pace had gone. I think it was sort of between the stomach and the... He was conscious of it, yeah. Yeah, I think he was... I remember, it was, I remember it, being, it was on TV on a Sunday, wasn't it? It was quite a rare time of a televised game. I thought we, we were so unlucky to lose it from memory. I thought we yeah. had to them. I think we could have, could have got a, a replay. Well, I, th- I think we were, we were, well, I mean, you know, it wasn't just, uh, uh, I think uh, we lost Colin Lee as well, didn't we? Hamstring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, you know, we, we, we were really up against it, against, against Liverpool. But, you know, we did put in a good display. We did lose 2-1, uh, which, uh, you know, was clearly you don't want to lose, uh, you know, you don't want to lose to anybody. But uh, losing to Liverpool, never nice. Uh, Kerry actually did talk about his injury when I when I spoke to him on the Chelsea special, so it's worth listening to what he has to say. Yes, indeed. Uh, anyway, uh, moving swiftly along, uh, we've got the replay against QPR, haven't we, in the Milk Cup? So we've now got them at home. And I have to say, watching this on YouTube, JK, it looked like an absolute mud bath. It looked like an ice rink meets a mud bath. It was a quagmire, wasn't it? Yeah. How on earth did it get past? What was the referee doing? I well, they, they didn't stop him in those days, they did didn't. they? They just, they thought, okay, well, every, well as I say, it's always, always, same for both sides. Oh, what, so we've all got ball players and you can't then pass the ball. Oh, okay. In a sense, uh, Dan, no surprise that, therefore, that it was nil-nil at, at, at full time. We had to play extra time. Um, we had missed a lot of chances, as I recall. Uh, but it got a bit. Uh, it just—it's just one of those things. McDonald scores on 109 minutes uh, with a header from a corner. From a corner, Doug failed to pick him up. But the most bizarre goal, which was the killer, obviously in 119 minutes, uh, was from Mick Robinson, wasn't it? Do you remember much about this? Um, I no, I, I, don't, I don't want to be there because it was a midweek. It was a school night, so I don't think I'd have been there. Jonathan, um, how did he score it? Um, I remember. I, know. Oh, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember, yeah, Chich, because yeah, yeah. um, Eddie came out yeah. and um, uh, and was pushing up and looked to his left and took his eye off the ball and so had a challenge, was challenged and followed through and left the, left the Queen's Park Rangers player lying in a crumpled heap, but the ball was kicked out to Robinson, who was just past the halfway line, and Robinson had a pot at goal from oh, it'd be the 50, halfway line. 50 yards, yeah. And it went in, yeah. and uh, and of course, uh, only recently Chelsea had had an offside goal given against them because of Speedy lying in a um, in a heap um, from a Dixon shot some way away, yeah. and and that had been ruled offside. And in this instance, the the player being offside was ignored completely by the referee. So uh, I think there was lots of referees aren't consistent. Oh, what a surprise! What a surprise! Well, there you go. Now you know what I said about Chelsea. What the, what's the thing about Chelsea? We beat all the top sides, play really, really well against them, and then we screw it up against the uh, the, the, the lesser teams. Uh, we play Oxford United at home on the 8th of February. If we win that match, boys, we could go top, right? What do you think we do? We lost. 
Of course we do. Yeah. 4-2. 4-2. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But uh, um, you know, just on the plus side, uh, Bob. Actually, I four two four one. I can't read. I'm going. I'm clearly suffering from dementia here. But yeah, four one. Bummer scores on sixty three. Uh, Duncan Shearer's final appearance, which uh, yes, yeah, that upset a few people. My mate Trevor Hebbard scores again. He likes scoring against Chelsea. I'll talk. To, I'll talk to him about that next time I see him. But there you go. Yeah, Duncan Shearer, J.K. Um, ginger haired. Sold to Huddersfield, had a very decent career. Um, bemused as a uh, personally, came in, thought this is good, this is interesting. He's a decent player. He'd been setting the reserves alight. Um, uh, he's, he'll have he'll have a career with the Blues. Plays two games, sold. Yeah, we on there and had a very good career. Very good career. We were I, I was just. Once again, with these transfers, you know, they've been, Thomas goes, Jones goes, you sort of accept it because he's got a way he wants the team to play, supposedly. They haven't got any centre-forwards because Kerry's injured. They've sold Davies, so they sell Shearer. Yeah. What? What's weird. that about? Really, really, really weird. Anyway, uh, next match we win 1-0 against Man City. We're in fourth position now. And then we play Everton away. Uh, still in fourth. Uh, we draw 1-1. This is one of those rare YouTube uh, clips that we found where the whole match is, is there to see in all its glory, if you like. We've been playing really, really well, actually, uh, from what I recall. Um, Jerry Murphy scores on 12 minutes. Sheedy scores against us again on 86. Um, the key point here, really, is that after that draw, we're, I mean, we're now eight points off top. Everton are actually, at this time, top of the table, okay, on 66 points. But we're uh, on 58 points so we're eight points behind and three games in hand so but this is because the whole fixture list has been screwed up by the appalling weather lots of postponements there were lots of postponements in those days if it was really icy or or, or you know in spite of what Jonathan and I was saying about maybe actually that's why they felt pressured to play matches if they were you know at all possible to play them because so many were being postponed and cancelled but uh, there was no such thing as uh, as um as the drainage was just awful no, it was awful it, wasn't it? underwater under under soil heating none of that worked uh, but if, if we won those games uh we would have been two points off the top so we're still i mean this is the reason i say this this is really pertinent to what happens next we are still very much in the hunt i think realistically to have a crack at the title all right, you know, United were at top, they're no longer top. They're now third. Liverpool have been there or thereabouts all season. They're on 63 points, three points off uh, Everton, but they've played a game more. We've got three games in hand on Everton who are top. So we are, I'm serious, we're in with a shout. And then a whole litany of disasters happen uh, in amidst uh, that rarest of rare things, a bouquet of triumph for Chelsea. But the first thing, that happens, which I think has perhaps, I would say, in the next match, by the way, has the biggest bearing upon Chelsea's season of any of the events that happen in the next few weeks. And that is that dear Eddie Nizhvesky uh, gets injured on 72 minutes uh, against QPR at home. Uh, Steve Wicks fell on him, didn't he, really, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it, it did his knee... And I mean, it was a career-ending injury. I mean, he—I think he played again, but he—you know—never he, the same again. No, never the same again. And it meant that Steve Francis, who'd done so well last year, um, but was a bit prone to being—he was a young, very young boy—and 
he came in, I think had a very good game the first time, but then clearly was letting in too many goals. And so uh, ultimately he was replaced. Well, we're going to get into that in, in greater... Into that. Into Can I just say that I like the fact that uh, Kelvin says that he used to call Queen's Park Rangers quarter pound of rubbish. Yeah. Quarter pound of rubbish. Yeah, well, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, they did us in the, in, the, in the Milk Cup and of course they went on to the final, although uh, I think they, they lost to Oxford, much to our, our delight. We draw 1-1 in that game, which is not really ideal considering we're in the hunt uh, for the title. Uh, basically, they get an equaliser on the 85th minute. But the key thing really there is that, um, number one, any, any Nijvisky get, you know, gets injured for what is ultimately a career-ending injury, and he is a superb goalkeeper for us. I mean, you could make a case for Eddie being one of the best goalkeepers we've ever had, I think. He was player of the year that year, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. even though he only played you yeah, know, up till about then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the interesting thing about this is also that David Speedy goes in goal. The shortest man on the pitch goes in goal. But of course, we know why, don't we, Dan? It's because he had the greatest leap of everybody yeah. in the side. And he did all right. I mean, ultimately, he got lobbed, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. I think I was at that game. I think, I think it might be in half term. So I, I, I think he got injured, Eddie. I may be wrong. And then he carried off and then he took a kick. Yeah. And then he had to go off. I don't know if yeah. that's true His leg collapsed, basically. Yeah. He did his knee. Did his name. Yeah. So there you go. So that was a bit disappointing, but uh, never mind. We have much more. We have bigger fish to fry because um, the following week. I mean, that is on uh, Wednesday, the nineteenth of March. Uh, on the Sunday, we can look forward to Chelsea's first visit to Wembley since nineteen seventy-two. And yet we'd played the day before against the Saints. Didn't well, we? this is yeah. absolutely Billy Bonkers. Um, you know, we go, we do, we play against Saints away. Uh, Chelsea fans are banned uh, because of the ag the year before. Uh, Colin Pates uh, scores a spawny free kick. And here is Colin to talk about his wonderful uh, uh, rifled uh, free kick into the net against England's keeper, Peter Shilton. Peter Shilton. I mean, the thing that, I mean, people wouldn't believe if you told them now uh, is that we'd actually played Southampton. 24 hours before. You scored, actually. Oh, man, yeah. yeah, didn't you? No, a free kick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You remember that? Yeah, because, yeah, we played on the Saturday and then we played the cup final on the Sunday. But yeah. the, but yeah. we had a free kick outside the box and Peter Shilton was in goal. Yeah, they were a good side then. Yeah, yeah. they were lining up yeah. the wall and, yeah. of course, I just took it. It hit the wall, yeah. deflected past Peter Shilton. Yeah. Peter Shilton looked at me in disgust like he wanted to kill me. <laughs> um, you know, it all went according to plan. Anyway, there we go. Next day, and this is the interesting thing, actually, you know, as Jonathan said, uh, the next day, basically because there were all sorts of kind of stuff going on and clubs were refusing to kind of postpone or rearrange fixtures. So both Man City and Chelsea had to play uh, the day before. As I recall, Man City had to play Man United the day before. So maybe we lucked out a bit having to play Southampton. But the full Members' Cup final... Sunday, the 23rd of March, 1986, against Man City. Now, I know you were both there. Yeah. I yeah. sadly wasn't. Uh, I've got uh, Colin Pates and Johnny Bumpster to talk all about it as well. But let's hear your versions first. Just starting with you, Jonathan. Um, I felt the whole thing was a bit of a con all the way through. You're such a grumpy old bugger, aren't I'm you? I'm such a grumpy old Hector. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and 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 because it was an invention, and because there were we were the there were only five t top teams in it, I felt all right. It's going to be something I'll enjoy, and it's Man City who are quite decent, and I've got decent players, and I like them. Um, 
but I'm not expecting much. But of course, you go along and you're caught in the joy of the day as your team, having gone down 1-0, then score five. And David Speedy scores three, gets a hat-trick for one of the first, one of the only hat-tricks at Wembley for, for years and years. And uh, possibly Well, the first in a final since, uh, since Jeff Stan Hurst. Stan Mortensen, Stan Mortensen. Jeff Hurst? Yeah. Jeff Hurst in 66, yeah. And, um, uh, and then Colin Lee playing, for, uh, because Dixon isn't playing, because he's injured, he's in the stands. Colin Lee well, played. injured against play. Southampton, didn't he, the day before? Yeah, and he got injured. And so... Um, uh, Colin Lee's playing up front. He scores two. So it's 5-1. But guess what happens? Guess, of course, we're 5-1 up. Guess what happens? Six minutes to go, 5-1 yes. up in a final yes. at Wembley, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. What and could possibly go what wrong? What could possibly go wrong? i tell you what could go wrong. The opposition scoring three goals in very quick space of time. And I'm going, what the fuck? No, God, help. No, please. So I've gone along to a final thinking, oh, this isn't a big deal. I don't care much about this. And of course, I've been completely wrapped up in it. And by the end of it, I'm a nervous wreck watching, as you'd expect, because it was 5-4. Uh, Happily, the referee blow, blows the full-time whistle and we win it. Hooray! Dan, what about your recollection yeah, I, of the day? I think, I think I was going to the morning of the match. My dad called me down and said, come here. And he pulled out of his wallet two tickets for uh, the final at Wembley. And I was, as you can imagine, I was so excited. Just getting to Wembley for the first time was an incredible feeling. I remember this so clearly, winning 5-1. I'm going to stop you there, Dan. See, Jonathan, this is what it means to be a supporter. A 12-year-old boy excited out of his wits to go to the Wembley final for the first time, mate. Excuse me, I was a 33-year-old man. Miserable old scrote. What yeah, can no. I've been, I've been to, I've been, <laughs> been to Wembley in 67, proper final we lost. I've been there in 1970. Yeah, you know. And, and, we'd, and we'd drawn. And, yeah, uh, and this, was the, this was the next one. Yeah, sense of entitlement, mate. Lost the joy of the game. I don't know. Anyway, for the posh seats. Oh. Dan, no, so sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that no, was so not... worth doing. Uh, yeah, you're 12 so... years old. You're more excited than an excited thing because you got a ticket to Wembley. Yeah, Dad, first time ever. Yeah, and just going to Wembley, the whole experience and sort of being five one up. It was absolutely fantastic. I remember, like, as you do as a kid, looking around and the city ends starting to empty. Then it's five two. And Chelsea fans straight away, I remember so clearly saying, what's it like to score a goal? And then they go to score again. You're like, okay, that's all right. <laughs> and they score again. And I'm like, oh God. And there's people around us getting a bit edgy. And then about a minute later, the whistle went. And that was, that was fantastic. Thinking, a bit edgy. I was completely, I was, I was too young to be edgy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was too young to be in a state as I yeah. was. But I was just really excited. I think vaguely remember that we were diagonally opposite where the presentation took place. So you just saw, and we, went, we had that fantastic white kit on as well, didn't we? With like the little yeah. bathed in stripes. Yeah, it was. It was great. Kit. I agree. It was a great yeah. kit. I fantastic. don't understand. I have to say, I don't understand why we wore white kit because um, they were playing in 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 their, their red and black stripes. Well, both playing away kits. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that was a rule or something. I don't know. Oh no, it may have been fair. They agreed yeah. on it because otherwise it would have to be because normally we wore away kit to their blue. So yeah. Perhaps the deal was because it was a a kind of ad hoc competition created by the two the two chairman who created it ended up in the final together so and you have to remember yeah. about the final of course was that was that no fa people got any tickets yeah. no no media got any tickets yeah. other than in the press box so all the all those tickets went to chelsea and man city so we 46 000 we had absolutely, in there absolutely absolutely yeah. so there were some, there was some great aspects to that competition that bates got right and that was one of them it also meant all the money went to the person who'd 
who went to the two chairmen, the two people who put the money up yeah. for Wembley in the first place. So good luck to them. Then it got reincarnated, didn't it, as various different things like the ZDS wow. and so on and so forth. Yeah. That's for another episode yeah. in the 50 Years of Chelsea. But uh, it was a quite a remarkable day. I mean, one thing we forgot to mention um, was that uh, Doug Rugby. Uh, managed to put the ball into his own net with a fine header, uh, a header with which he would have been proud of had it been the other end. Um, and Pat Nevin, I think, was Pat was man of the match. He didn't get on the score sheet at all, but he pretty much had a hand in most of the goals. He was he absolutely goals, on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's, the, you know, it's it's all right us talking about. I mean, you know, the the tension in the last six minutes was just must have been unbearable as Chelsea fans hadn't tasted any sort of success for so long and could see it kind of... I mean, there's a good argument to say if they had gone on for another five minutes, City might have won that. It was We just fell apart. Yeah. Then again, if you think about it, they played against Southampton the day before. They must have been on their knees because Wembley is a big energy-sapping pitch. But anyway, I would rather hear what Colin Pates and Johnny Bumps had had to say about not just uh, playing in the uh, Four Members Cup, but, you know... What it meant to them as players, and what what the, the, what comes across in the in the chats that I had with them was, um, they got a real sense of how important it was to us, the supporters, actually, which is really an interesting perspective. So have a listen to this. The two things that strike me about that that are absolutely nuts: the five-four scoreline, which is crazy. How many of us were there, just so desperate to see success? But the fact that you played a league game the day before, I think Southampton, Southampton was it, yeah. yeah. How on earth did you play think, two games uh, in two days? Pacey scored a screamer from 25 yards off his shin. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, to be honest, it, it was... We knew we had to do it. And as soon as the Southampton game was over, we just went back to the hotel, had something to eat. And Were you not knackered? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair once you start... I mean, once you warm up and get going, you, you're not bad. I mean, there was another one where... You didn't really know the importance of it until sorry, sorry. <laughs> until you get near the Wembley and you get um, you see the crowds and it, yeah. Yeah. I mean we knew what what cup it was but if you hadn't have known you'd have thought well, it's a it's FA cup, cup final. It's yeah, a cup yeah. final. It's yeah. yeah, it's a medal. It's a yeah. trophy. I mean. Oh, so what do you remember? I mean, apart from that, I mean, you know, actually before we get into the actual match itself, I mean, physically, ha, 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 you know, if, as I said, if you said to people now. You could play two high-level matches, you know, in 24 hours. They'd, they'd look at you like you're a mad. I mean, did it affect you physically? Well, I get quite disappointed in, in, in players and managers now when they say, oh, they're tired. I mean, I'm not being funny. To, to, you don't, especially if you're, if you're on a successful side, let me tell you now, you don't get tired. Yeah. You don't get tired. Is that you, adrenaline? The adrenaline, honestly, it will, it will carry you through. You know, you'll be tired in training, but then as soon as you kick off at a game or you go out for a warm-up before another game, you're fine yeah. because you've got the adrenaline kicking in. And so I kind of get disappointed when I hear players getting tired, especially as you've got teams in the old days that were playing like 50-odd games a season and winning cups and everything. You know, and They used to play Christmas Day and Boxing Day, of course, in those yeah. days. So yeah. they would play two in 24 hours yeah. um, on worse pitches. But we weren't tired. For that Members' Cup, we weren't tired. We went out, we just couldn't wait to get out there, to be honest with you. You know, you felt a bit groggy from the day before, went out and had a warm-up, saw 70,000 people out there waiting for you. Trust me, you weren't going to be tired. I hesitate to say this because I can't believe that it, it would it would miss out on 
you know, I mean, we, we technically could have gotten to Europe that year had it, had it not been for, for Heysel. But, I mean, how good did it feel? Be? I mean, that's the first trophy Chelsea had won of any yeah. kind of substance since, since 71. So how, how did that feel? After all those dark years when it had been horrible. Yeah, it was brilliant. As I say, you, you would, as far as I'm concerned, it was, it was how I'd imagine being in an FA Cup final. Everything seemed mm. the same once you was at Wembley. Have you still got your winner's medal from that final? They're in the museum. Remind me of my debut, actually. Yeah. Because it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, we were we were cruising one minute, then we were under pressure. Well, I think I think it was five one until the last six minutes. Yeah. So they scored three goals in six minutes. I just I couldn't believe it. I, I Doug Rubio's goal. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I brilliant header. Thinking if we blow this, you know, we're never gonna. This is never gonna be forgotten if we blow this. So when the, I must admit, when the referee blew his whistle, oh, was I relieved? I think we all were actually. Oh, God. <laughs> because it was because we knew Chelsea. I mean, you know, even at five one, you were thinking, okay, it, it, you know, you just knew you weren't home and hosed. Mm. So the relief was palpable. David Speedy, of course, scores the first hat trick in a cup final at Wembley since Jeff Hurst, who, of course, ironically was our manager. Yeah, not that long exactly before. right. Great, and a, we were talking about his heading ability, but he scored a great headed goal. Pat Nevin, responsible for three of them in, in terms of assists. Pat was on fire, wasn't he? he was. I don't think anybody could cope with Pat when Pat was really on on form. Really on it. Now, this is the bit that I've, I've been absolutely just so much looking forward to you talking about the uh, the full members cup yeah in 86 uh, I mean we still you know we still sing it and we're quite drunk in the pubs which is most <laughs> of the time when Pates went up to lift the full oh, members no. cup we were there oh, I mean yeah. how, how does that feel for a start do you know what it's amazing because I in Fulham Broadway station yeah I had a platform singing it to me really um, <laughs> in Witherspoons in Victoria station I had the whole of the escalator singing it really to me. yeah as they were coming down I was going up for yeah, a point yeah. and they yeah, were all yeah. It's just incredible. I, I know why. I know why it meant yeah. so much as well. Because it, it meant so much to the players yeah. as well. Because, Did it really? Yeah, because we, you know, we, we we were coming through a really bad time. You know, we'd had a bad time as a club, and then. But those, those two was, years before, it was on the up. We oh, were doing no, all right, weren't we? Yeah, certainly what I'm saying. You know, we won the league and we done this and we done that, and we were on the up. You know, and the fans hadn't had that for a no. long time. You know, they hadn't had a day out at Wembley for a, for a long time. You know, about 24 years. Yeah. So you know, all of a sudden now, the fans are, are buzzing, the players are buzzing, and it was like the it was a I always call it the first foothold back to Chelsea being like what it is now because it was like you know we in some ways we we saw all of Chelsea. You know, we saw us being skint. We saw us. Yeah. Like, I mean, when, 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 when did you when did you join the club? Oh, I signed when I was 10 years of age. So you were there from what? Oh gosh, I was, well, I was born in 1971, so, I started training at the right, club. Right, so 71, so you, you, you started at the club effectively in the middle of the Kings of the Kings Road era, when yeah. we were winning the FA Cup, the European Cup yeah. Winners' Cup, yeah. so you'd seen this at the height, Yeah. you'd seen it go all the way down yeah. again. Yeah, and then all the way yeah. all the way up again, I mean, and me and Bunnels always talk about this, we always say that success we had in them two or three years was the, was the foul for like what's going on now you that's know, amazing because so I, I, that's a brilliant way to put it actually yeah. and I think a lot of people obviously put it down to uh, Glenn coming in yeah. in the mid 90s but actually as you know I was around then and, and we you're right we were so pumped Colin to, to yeah. win something to go yeah. to Wembley it yeah. was it was we didn't care that it was the Ken Bates Cup that, that, <laughs> well, that was it was a it. cup yeah. and we were at Wembley that was just it I think 
people can be very cynical anyway, yeah. can't they? Even if you, if, I mean, if you win the FA Cup now, they'll say, "Oh nah, well, yeah, well that's we, nuts." Not many it? people take the FA Cup seriously now, and not people, you can find a fault in anything. But but I genuinely believe because yeah. all them fans, you know, love that era. A because they they didn't know what they were going to get next. Nope. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes we'd go out and we'd be absolutely magnificent. The next day we'd come out and we'd lose. But I always say that that was the first foothold back no, to where I, we are. That's now. a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Just, just one thing with the, uh, the the members' cup thing. Yeah. My uh, my ex-wife used to say to me that we we spend too much playing, you know, in amongst football environment and stuff. So so she said to me, I booked a holiday in Greece, and um, <laughs> we're going to. We're going to get away from it. So she booked an excursion on a coach yeah. to take us up into the mountains yeah, yeah. for some goat's cheese and red yeah, wine, yeah. you know, Lovely. really interesting stuff. <laughs> so I get up there and walk into the bar. Yeah. This is in the middle of Greece, yeah. in, in, a, in the hills. And as I get there, I see a team sheet and a, and a program of Chelsea behind the bar and four blokes in the corner singing when Pates went No up. way. <laughs> when was this? This was, I think, uh, at a eight, uh, I can't remember what year. In the 80s? Oh, yeah. It was, only so it was like, around the time. It was only like um, six months Oh, right, after, okay. So six right, exactly. after, like, it was that yeah. pre-season. Wow. Or that holiday. Yeah, yeah. After the thing, yeah, I ended up in, a, in the mountains with four blokes and the barman, who was a season ticket holder. That's amazing. That is amazing. Cool. She, she just looked at me and went, my God, what have I got to do to get you away from football? So there you go. And uh, as Colin says, you know, forever and a day since we've all sang when Pates went up to lift the full members cup, we were there and we still sing it to him now, much to his absolute delight. So uh, Chelsea, uh, what, by whatever means necessary, even if Ken Bates had to invent the damn thing, um, are, are, you know, have taken Chelsea to an FA uh, a full members cup final and we have a trophy. So, you know, we have success. We have glory finally after a mere... 20 well how many years 24 years no that doesn't make sense oh, six years oh, six no no it's 70 71 oh, was the last years. time we wore a trophy one was the european cup when it's 15 cup. years can i say it's a really crap trophy yes john duly noted thank you it is it's got it's just like the cheapest trophy they could have got hold of oh yeah yo you mean in those terms yeah, yeah. they probably yeah, got it yeah. for woolworths mate yeah, it looked like that, didn't it? Probably looks like the one I've got up on my shelf for the Supporters Trust uh, quiz, which I've still got, Dan, by the way, because we've, we've never had a quiz since. So I, I, I retain ownership of it. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's like of a course. kit. It's as if you've made it with like an airfix kit, as if it's glued together. Yeah. Listen, we need to get back to the league campaign because, you know, we're, where we left the league, you know, remember the league? Uh, we're still in fourth. Uh, we're in a good position. Uh, you we're think we'd be buoyed by it, wouldn't you, Chidge? Well, you would. You know, we're, we're still two games. We've got two games in hand on Everton, right? Well, this is the thing, right? Two points for a win in those days, okay? Everton are top. They've played 33 on 66 points. We're fourth, having played 31 games, okay? Two behind on 62 points. We win both those games. We're level with both Liverpool and Everton, who are both on top with 66. What, I, I, you know, we're in, we're in the box seat. We're in good position here. Anyway. We then get Easter, the Easter weekend. For those of you who were there, this will be indelibly imprinted on your mind as the most excoriating nightmare you've probably ever had to face as a Chelsea supporter. As I said, I've set the scene, I've set the context. Four points behind Everton, 
two games on hand. Win the two games, we're equal top. Two London derbies, one at home against West Ham on Saturday the 29th. Uh, two days later, this is Easter for you, QPR away on the flaming plastic pitch. And I think, I think this is arguably one of the most disastrous weekends in Chelsea's history, Jonathan. Well, the, certain, the number of goals scored was embarrassing. And uh, the 4-0 loss against West Ham was decidedly uh, um, heart-wrenching. I mean, to be fair, though, Kochi and McAvenny were a very good partnership. And Devonshire they basically scored very... with every chance they had, didn't yeah. they? But also, Devonshire was a very, very good player indeed, um, who I think just crept into the England side at the time, should have played more, uh, all over the place, ran it, ran everything. Yeah, and we just, cap- we just capitulated. And however, then the Rangers game was um, uh, a complete disaster. And also for poor old Steve Francis, who uh, um, clearly couldn't cope. I mean, to be fair, having watched all the goals back, I didn't think there were many that he... He was particularly at fault with. It was just uh, the defence just seemed to evaporate. Kind of a bit like Kepa, really, in a a weird sense. But, I mean, he's just let in four goals against City, four against West Ham, and six again. 14 goals in three games. Dan, were you at the West Ham game? Yeah, I remember that. It was a a really dreadful pitch. I think I remember Alan Devonshire just controlling midfield. I think he scored from the edge of the box an incredible shot went through France's hands. I remember just being like... Bloody hell, he's got turned up, turned over heavily. Yeah. Yeah. Really he was great. I remember coming away from that. It's weird, isn't it? The things you yeah. remember of how Devonshire was absolutely brilliant. Quite with languid with the beard, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. wiry. And, and um, there, was a, there was a Mickey Thomas feel about him, just a kind of a, a trickery and a great vision played people in so well. But also McAvenny and uh, Cotty. McAvenny was a beast. Very, yeah. very, it was good very, player, uh, very good, he, but also very, um, very speedy. Like there was that kind of yeah. grit about him, um, and they were a very good partnership, and they just took us apart. So but a bit more, a bit more prolific as well. Yeah. What about the uh, the QPR match? Were you there, J.K.? I know you quite like going down to the bush. Of course, I was there. It was one of the most embarrassing. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Dan? <laughs> good is <laughs> it? <laughs> Yes. I've got anything he likes, that's a, he near, likes a bit of the bush. Anything, yeah. yeah, anything that's near Chidge, anything that you know, Fulham, um, Rangers. Well, you you uh, live in Hammersmith, don't you? Indeed, that's what I mean. <laughs> you, you 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 lived in Hammersmith then, did you? No, we lived in Kensington. We lived right. in a in a. Uh, um, so it was, and my dad used to take me to Fulham all the time. My dad took me to Rangers all the time. We used to go if there was a midweek game and Chelsea weren't playing. We'd go and watch Rangers. It was just, he liked watching football. Yeah. And you'd get a couple of tickets. They did that wonderful thing at Rangers where you'd go in and you'd say, here's my seat. And they'd say, no, mate, sit anywhere. Sit anywhere, it doesn't matter. It's what happened every, every time we went. Because the stadium somebody, was course, never full. They were, no, but what would happen, of course, is somebody would come up and say, excuse me, you're in my seat. And uh, it'd all get a bit heavy. And then you move somewhere else. Somebody say, no, somebody sit in there. And you'd find yourself wandering around during the game. A bit like Lords. Being embarrassed. Yeah, very like Lords. Yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least at Lords, you've got, you know, at the end of an over, you've got the ability to actually, you know, you can move around. If the game's going on. People are saying, sit down, sit down. get out of the way. Sit What's down. the matter with you? Get out. But, um, but yeah, so uh, I always, always, go, always went to Rangers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, did we have have that awful mint green kit on as well no 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 it was the red kit kit. yeah Yeah, we played in the red kit against keeper i mean it it was it was uh, jonathan's right i think the only way to describe the uh the qpr defeat is embarrassing i mean we looked like we were standing still for most of the match and they looked like 
like Brazil. I mean, they were world beaters. Yes, they were. yeah. I mean, they were playing this amazing one-touch slicing through us, putting balls between the lines, finishing it's like Rivellino. Burn, Burn was okay. Burn was an okay player, as was Bannister. Gary yeah. Bannister was a decent. We were actually we were linked with him briefly for a period. I remember in the in the sense that somebody mentioned it in a, a journalist mentioned it in a paper, and it was probably bollocks, like all these things are. But nonetheless, there was a uh, there was a um, almost a a groundswell of wanting to get somebody um, just in case, because we all felt the same at the time that that if if Speedo wasn't playing most of the time because he was or, or Kerry was injured, they needed to be a backup striker. This is why I mentioned I thought it was premature getting rid of Gordon Davies because he would have come into his own in this second half of the season, and they and, and it may not have been the disaster that it was not having Kerry because he was a really good player, Gordon Davies. You know, uh, uh, and, and the fact that he went to City and carried on scoring there was really relevant. Well, you know what? The irony is, is that I know that in, in, the, in the, you know, the way that time has passed, you know, down the years and we all, we all look, I mean, everybody who knows, anybody who was around that times of Chelsea, we all, all say that's what cooked our goose. Those two horrible, horrible defeats at Easter really cost us the title. But the reality is, the truth is, what it did is it took away what I was saying, that advantage that we had of being, you know, we've got two games in hand and we could have closed the gap. But the reality is, is that, you know, it didn't affect our position in the league much at all. I mean, we drew the next match against uh, Ipswich and we're still in fourth. Uh, we still got two games in hand, bizarrely, on, on Liverpool, but we're now seven points adrift. So we've, we've lost that advantage a little bit. Uh, the next match is one that, that, that lives in the memory for so many reasons, um, a lot of people that were there will obviously remember. I, I, I said mistakenly, I think, last week, JK, that the Man United away game that season was the one where Cheltel went to the players' bar with John McNaught uh, and, 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 uh, and, then, and then peed on the pitch afterwards. That would have been um, next year. No, it was, it was this year. It was this year. It. Yeah, John McNaught's in, in the squad these days. I don't think he really played much at all uh, that season. He says, scrolling down to look at his and player. They just signed him. Didn't they sign him from Hamilton Academicals? He made one day. substitute appearance this year. Right. Uh, but he was around. And, and I don't know why. Well, maybe it was next year. Maybe I've still got it right. I should really phone up, tell and find out. But Yeah, because I, I don't think he'd been signed by the time of the United game. No, I think, I think he, he could be right. Towards the end, because he and Gordon Jury were when two more Scots who were signed. It made meant that they had eight Scots available, which he started, which was a bizarre thing to keep doing. Because just so we haven't mentioned as well that because of Francis giving up 14 goals, they felt that his confidence was shot. Absolutely so they bought, right. they bought Tony Godden from West Brom. Well, he, he came in for the he came in for the Ipswich, the Ipswich match. game, and he was actually a very good goalkeeper. He was. He was, was a very good purchase. Yeah, that was a smart buy. I mean, this is a match. I mean, I don't know if I mean I don't don't think you were there, Dan, but I would, have, would imagine you'd have remembered this match. I mean, it's remembered, of course, for for Kerry's two brilliant counter-attacking brilliant goals that goals. day. Brilliant. What do you, you remember, know, Dan? I'm trying to. Was it on telly? Yeah. Yeah, vaguely remember. I remember Tony Gordon saved a penalty, mate. Yeah, saved, yeah, I was going to say saved a penalty. Um, Vaguely remember it. I think quite quite a lot of those first chills were quite hazy. But I certainly remember when one in the stretch. Yeah, that typical thing of, him, of Kerry doing a, uh, hitting the ball first time into the corner. Yeah. Beautiful goal. Second so, goal. Beautiful. So brilliant at. Quite phenomenal. And the first one he put away beautifully. I mean, he, yeah. he absolutely you know left left Paul McGrath standing. 
but that was a great, great win. And I mean, actually, against the run of play, I mean, United absolutely were doing what they quite often. I mean, this is the hilarious thing. They were battering us, you know, all, 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 you know, everybody going forward. Hence, we picked them off so beautifully with these two counter-attacking goals. But the first one just, you know, pushed along. I can't remember. It might be Mickey Hazard. And Kerry just absolutely ran McGrath down and put it away. I was thinking, watching it today again, that is what a proper striker does. You know, to run 20, 30 yards and just slot the ball. And he did it right at the last minute. He waited until um, Bailey was committed. Actually, it wasn't Bailey, was it? It was Turner. Turner, Turner. And um, his second goal, as Jonathan was saying, I mean, beautiful pick by Speedo. And he just hits it first time. Absolutely clinical, deadly. So a, a really fondly remembered win up at Old Trafford. So technically, we're still in the hunt. We're still fourth. We then draw to Forest, and we're still not out of it yet because we then get the chance to go to Upton Park uh, for, uh, uh, you know, for the match against West Ham. We're in third now third but we're dead level on games played okay Everton are top 76 Liverpool uh, are second 37 we're third 37 Everton 76 points Liverpool 73 and we've got 70 so we're six points off the top therein lies the problem we've got five games left are Everton gonna lose effectively three games four games out of those five the answer to that is not very likely and we're three points behind Liverpool who are still very much in the hunt and the great thing about this we win this match having been walloped four nil by them at home we then go and win away and I, I and, and what really fascinated me about this match when we when I watched on YouTube earlier on was the spirit in the side there I mean, Cotty scores on 51 minutes and puts them 1-0 up. They're kind of, the atmosphere in the ground was very much West Ham home and hosed here. Then Spacker scores a great header on 55 minutes. And then Pat Nevin, uh, Kerry does a cross as it would happen. And Pat, would you believe, heads the ball in. And the Chelsea players went ballistic. And at the end of the match, they all went to, uh, you know, to kind of celebrate with the Chelsea fans who were absolutely raucous that night. So there was still a feeling, I think, which I want one or two or both of you to, to validate, that we were still in there fighting, JK. Um, yeah, we had an outside chance, didn't we? But I think realistically, um, it, it wasn't in our hands anymore. It was up to them to, if they carried on winning above us. I mean, that was my personal uh, feeling about it, being Mr. 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 We're not going to win it. I... I but you, you know, you, there's, there's always that outside chance. So you want to, you want the, you want the team to keep going and win. And they were playing very well. And uh, and, and and Kerry was on fire at that period again. You know, I mean, the, the, you analyse his his abilities as a as a striker. This this speed and control and ability to put the ball in the corner was was absolutely peerless. It was just yeah. phenomenal. I mean, um, he was a brilliant striker. I mean, it is pomp. He was just yeah, yeah, in his pump, running past the defenders, shooting across the keeper into the net. He was yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just his, his his eye for the for a goal and just the angle was absolutely. Yeah. Dan, are you, are you sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, Jonathan. Dan, are no, you no, still? No, go on after you. After you finish, what are you going to say? No, I, I, I'm, it's okay. I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah. So, <laughs> touche. 
No, Dan, I was going to ask you much the same questions I asked Jonathan, really. I mean, are you still thinking we're, you know, we're in the hunt still here? There's still a chance. And, and anyway, even if there isn't a chance to win the league, which would be an absolutely unprecedented dream for any of us around that time, let's see how high we can get up that table. We're doing really, really well. Yeah, there was, I think I was getting a bit excited, but I think we, we kind of worked out, you know, could look at the remaining games, could Liverpool lose here, could they draw here? all the possibilities of what, what might happen. You know, can we go to Villa and get something? Uh, can we maybe beat Liverpool in the last game of the season at home to put us top of the league? All those sort of permutations you kind of hope for. So we're getting a little bit excited because, you know, for my dad as well, you know, probably the first time he'd been excited since yeah. sort of 71. So yeah. there was a kind of maybe, maybe we start there to dream. Then obviously then we went to... Um, Very foolish to do that as a Chelsea yeah. fan, Dan, isn't it? What happens well, next? Well, uh, we get Newcastle come... To Stanford Bridge. And well, then, we, we we draw against Newcastle one yeah, all, and, and then, then we Villa. lose uh, we lose three one away to Villa. We lose two nil away to Arsenal. That odious Charlie Nicholas scoring. We lose yeah. one nil at home to Liverpool, which is a very very famous match because Liverpool yeah. clinched the title that day. Uh, Kenny Dalglish's first title as a player manager. It's often been repeated. The horrible scenes of all the Scousers in the North End celebrating madly like they'd won the yeah. title, which of course they had. Uh, and then, and then the worst thing of all is we lose five-one at home to Watford on the last day. So basically, one point out of the final fifteen, 15. which means we end up sixth. How utterly Chelsea is that, JK? It was. Well, Dan, Dan, Dan first. Yeah, Sorry, Dan. It, it was kind of like what we came used to. Because I think there, there wasn't maybe the mentality in the squad to get us over the line. We didn't have winners. We didn't have people who've been inexperienced and you know, care so like, you know, look at Newcastle, should have been Newcastle, could have been Villa. It was just frustrating. And then, you know, poor old Les Fridge gets dropped in for the last game season against Watford. That's five goals put past him. Not he's cool, mate. Again. Not, Not cool. cool. No, no, no. Some might say he freezed on the spot. But, you know, <laughs> it, it was just disappointing. I think it, it kind of set me up for my first sort of 50 odd years of being a Chelsea fan. You know, so much hope and then yeah, I hated the Liverpool game beyond belief. Oh, yeah. Going, I hated it because you knew they were going to win and you knew that we were going to have to put up with them all dancing on the terraces and going berserk. And, and uh, it, was, it was just kind of, I was, I was annoyed that I'd gone. Of course, you have to go because, you know, yeah. you've got your ticket and it's your team. But uh, you, 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 you just, there was a kind of dreadful inevitability about it all. Yeah, miserable. Um, it's very, very interesting, you know. I mean, here, here's the thing. I'm going to ask you the question first, Dan. Uh, should or should or could we have won the title that season, do you think? Um, could have done. It kind of reminds me of the season, was it 99, when we came so close as well? Yes, we did, we did, Yeah, yeah we came, absolutely we did, agree. We had the opportunity to kick off. We could have yep. bought when Flo and Poyer get injured. Likewise, you know, had Batesy. As we said earlier, you know, bought bought another striker. Maybe we could we could have kicked on because you know we were right up to the wire pretty much until the last five games of the season. So yeah, we definitely could have done had we had somebody the better mentality, a winning mentality in there. You know, who's done there, been there, got us over the line. I think that's a really good point. I think the winning mentality is so important. Yeah, I think we didn't have it. There's almost a kind of of self defeating. Um, you know, your your your. You're proving your own fallibility. Yeah. I, uh, but, you, you haven't had much success, so you just you think, well, we won't win it. I felt that happened. Yeah, I, I, think, I, we, I think I think looking back on the season, we could have won the title. Yes, 
Yes, and I felt that was an opportunity absolutely wasted at the end of the season. Yeah. Do you think, boys, uh, you you first, Dan? Do you think it? You know, the the, the what, you know, it's a bit like that that end final scene in A Bridge Too Far, uh, where they where they sit there wondering what you know it all went horribly wrong, but why? What was the moment it all all went wrong? And they and all the generals sit there giving their own view about which bridge, which effort it was that failed. So in the same kind of tone, was it Kerry's injury? Earlier in the season, was it Eddie Eddie Nizvisky's injury, or was it yeah. the nightmare at Easter that did for us? Well, I think he probably sailed through. I mean, we take someone like Kerry out of your team who's getting so many goals, was on fire, and then you lose your goalkeeper. That's two huge players. Imagine if you took, say, you know, took Czech and Drogba of a Chelsea side, two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Huge players to miss. It's hard to replace the goals, um, and then yeah, I think the catastrophe over Easter was probably the final nail in the coffin. Mm. Although in a sense, although in a sense, we've just gone through it and proven that they could have come back after that. Really, I think psychologically, you know, ten goals in two matches against London rivals when you've just yeah, been absolutely torn a new backside. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Kerry. I think the Liverpool game when Kerry got injured may have been, albeit in January, was, was hugely impactful on our season. Then obviously losing Eddie and not really having an adequate replacement between the sticks. Yeah. Well, maybe when Godden came, it's too late. So it was. Yeah, so near yet so far, you know, if if they bought a striker, if Eddie hadn't say, if, you know, stayed fit, could have done. But then you're up against you're up against serial winners who knew how to get over the line, like Liverpool, oh, Everton like and Liverpool. Yeah, serial winners. Well, I I think Liverpool, both team, all the top three teams above us, in particular Everton, Liverpool, and and Man, you all had much better squads, and uh, and I think. Um, Getting rid of Mickey Thomas was a huge error with hindsight because they, even if he hadn't played the whole season, you'd have had a really and Gordon Davies. Top, top yeah. go- and that's going to be my next point: is that they shouldn't then have sold Davies or Shearer because all th- they could have just slotted in, and that was a yeah. big mistake. To and then at the end of the season, he buys Gordon Jury as just another replacement for um, for, uh, for for Davies. So um, be- it's utterly bewildering why that happened, and they should have had a better goalkeeper. Than Francis as the um, yeah. as the the, the yeah. standby. So was Kerry's injury, Eddie's injury, Nightmare at Easter, all three together. What 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 was it that did it for you, J.K.? Well, that as I say, I think it was those things. I think looking back, all it three. Was the, it was the no, no. I think it's the um, it, it was the lack of preparation for that. Well, so let, you know. let, let's hear what uh, Kerry and Colin Pate said about whether we should have won the title or not that season had so much more potential. We right. were two full-back short. We, it was an exciting team. You didn't know what we... We didn't know how far we could go, where we were going to go. And I believe it could have gone right to the top if it would have, if things would have panned out. John Neal hadn't been taken ill. I mean, we, we weren't that far away from, from doing really well. I remember we, we, we cracked up with the two um, London derbies, didn't we? West Ham QPR. Yeah. I mean, I'm not being funny... Everyone was talking to us about being title contenders. And then we went to QBR and we lost heavily. And then we lost to West Ham heavily. We had some injury of, issues, though, as yeah, well, we? Didn't we did, we, yeah. We had a lot of people out. Um, and that I think that's where that, that comes from, that like kind of, you know, just having them extra couple of players that would have carried us, carried us through to success, really. So there you go. The interesting thing about it, was that they all felt pretty much what you were both saying, actually, in between the lines there, was that we were short a player or two. We just didn't have squad depth, like, you know, the, like United, Everton, Liverpool, those kind of teams. 
And, you know, ultimately when we lose key players, we just didn't have the backup. Or even if we did have those key players, we just didn't have one or two players of quality that would have got us over the line. So there we go. I thought that was really, really interesting what they had to say. Um, you know, ultimately, I think it was a great season. We finished sixth again. It was disappointing, perhaps, to fall away at the last. Kerry's top scorer with 23 goals, which is superb. Pat Nevin makes 58 appearances. Uh, Eddie gets player of the season, as as we know, even though he was injured out from, from March onwards. Um, I mean, you know... Was it a better season than 1984-85? I mean, the stats would say it was. We actually, we, okay, we ended up six, but we got more points. We'd been in title contention in a way that I don't think we had the year before. And we won the full Members' Cup, Jonathan. So, you know, I, I say it's a better season than 84-85. Well, I, I'm, I'm not a great fan of the full Members' well, Cup. Well, even on just on the league form, you I could think... make the case. You, where you could, but at the same time, I felt that we did really well the year before um, uh, in the League Cup, uh, particularly against Sheffield Wednesday, which were, were, were three, the, 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 the Milk Cup um, progress and the games against Sheffield Wednesday are really top history for Chelsea. They were great okay. events and they, they uh, with, some, with great players and um, made more of an impact on me than many other seasons just because of the the, the tenacity of the side and coming back from 3-0 from down, which they did on several occasions. And I felt it was a new team um, who just come up from the second division who were coping with um, the, the, uh, you know, the first, the top division. And I thought that they really, they really excelled that season. And all right, yes, this was building on the season and they did really well. And I felt that was progress. But for me, the, uh, the season before was a... Was a um, was was just not but just more exciting and more there was more joy to be had because we were newcomers into the division um uh, and i felt disappointed for canners because he was one of my favorite players i thought he'd done wonderfully and i didn't understand what the manager was trying to do um in this in this season uh, and i was perplexed by hazard's role who i thought was terrific and was frequently sub and uh, in the end left the club because of of lack of opportunity when he was the kind of player that you should have actually been thinking, how are we going to play around him because he's so, so competent? Um, and I thought some of the players who played weren't as, weren't as um, didn't have the same fighting spirit that had the year before. And he tried the youth out, to be fair to him, Keith Dublin and um, uh, Isaacs. But uh, um, uh, for me, this is a, a, a season that could have been better and we could have won the title. And therefore, it's a scene of, it's a season of disappointment. Danny, you know, were you ultimately disappointed by it or did the full Members' Cup make up for it? And, you know, was it better than 84-85? I think 84-85 was that huge sense of excitement that we were at the top table finally. And it was very, very exciting. Um, and I thought, listen, it was a full Members' Cup. That for me, that was a highlight. It was, you know, the fact that I've been to when me and my dad we've seen us win a cup. I think I kind of knew that we were getting close to glory, but... Not maybe not fully kind of sinking in how close we actually came. So I think I think it was it was a great season, Pity, just based on on, on Wembley and five four on that. You know, it, what your highlights in the mid eighties? That that'll be it. You know, Wembley with your dad for the first time takes a lot a lot to beat that. I think there's a lot in that. I mean, what I would say as a caveat to that, um, you know, Jonathan accepted because he's such a curmudgeon, <laughs> but. Uh, 
I think of all the people <laughs> that I know, you know, in the Chelsea community, everybody who was at Wembley that day remembers not just 85, 86 for the full Members' Cup. They basically remember the 80s for the full Members' Cup. So I think for those that were there, it, it had much greater significance. If you weren't there, possibly it would just always remain a bit of a Mickey Mouse trophy. I think it's a really difficult question to decide whether it's 84, 85 or 85, 86, because 85, 86 is always remembered for the joy, the triumph of the full members cup and the disaster of Eddie getting injured and, and the four nil and the six nil against West Ham and QPR. And I suppose ultimately, you know, not winning the title, although I don't, you know, hand on heart, I don't think you're going to find many Chelsea fans honest enough to say, well, you know what? We were never really in with a shout of winning the title. You know, I think that was a bit of a pipe dream really. So it's a toughie. Um, I'm, I'm really, it's really interesting, you know, it, before we did all these shows, if you'd have asked me, I'd have said 84, 85. But now having done this show as well, I think there's, I, I, I'm torn as to which one was, was more fun, 84, 85 or 85, 86. Yeah. It's a really close call for me. You think like, you know, the, you know, the Kerry Dixon goal at Highbury, that's an yeah. iconic Chelsea moment. Uh, the full members cut. The, those two seasons are probably like, you know, we're back at the, we're back at the big table, you know, fighting arguably above our weight and we did really really well it was, it was two incredibly good seasons in the back of the promotion season so it's quite hard to sort of say you know which, which is better I think they'll all go down in, in Chelsea folklore for different so ultimately reasons. this was a bit disappointing no because it, not for me because I haven't been gained that long and I wasn't I wasn't used to the you know the proper Chelsea stuff and I think it was when, so for me the three seasons we won a title we come top won a couple and had two top six finishes what have you in, in three years so I was like well, okay this is this Chelsea team is pretty good <laughs> little did I know how it's going to go downhill for a few Damn. years after that but I, I, I just think you know I, I, it was I have more memories of the 85-86 season because I was older and went to more games and so on so I think probably just on balance based on just the, as I said before the full members cup win that was just a better mm. season for me final word for you JK on it Uh, I think I've said it. I'm a I'm a I'm a curmudgeon. Well, I love because you, I, mate. Um, I, uh, I did I did I think I thought it was a Mickey Mouse trophy, and I went and got involved in it. So uh, it annoyed me immensely, yeah. the whole process. And I, as I say, it annoyed me that I felt that he got rid of my favorite, mm. one of my favorite yeah. ever players, Mickey Thomas, who really annoyed me. That I no idea why he went. Well, I still have got no idea why he went. Does he know? Does Mickey know? Does it work out? Any of the players say why he'd gone? I, I couldn't. Well, you know, inspira inspirational player, phenomenal energy, phenomenal effort, and likely get you a goal in the last two minutes by fantastic shot and just just beautifully industrious. Just one of my one of my favourite ever Chelsea players gone well, for no apparent reason. There we go. Get. Well, look, what I can say absolutely, as ever with Chelsea, it was emotional. Uh, and up and down and a roller coaster because that that is what following Chelsea is all about as anybody who's been listening to these shows would have probably gathered uh whether it's in game by game season by season or whatever that's what it's like following Chelsea now final uh final uh point that I'm going to make before I thank these fantastic gents is to just remind you that if you liked listening to Kerry and Colin Pates and Canners and Johnny Bumstead, you can you can actually download the whole interviews with them that we did for the Chelsea special, chelseaspecial.podbean.com. 
They're all two ninety nine each. They're easy to find. You just press the button and it takes you through to the paywall, and off you jolly well go, and you can download them. Uh, other than them, we've got uh, Tommy Baldwin, um, Chopper Harris, Bobby Tamlin, Gary Chivers. Um, who else have we got? Loads. Johnny Boyle, uh, Danny Harkins. There's loads on there, but do, do check them out if you've enjoyed what they've had to say during this program. Uh, other than that, um, it's uh, going to be 1986-87 next week. And I can't for the life of me remember who's on. I think it might be you, me, and Mark Meehan, Jonathan. Oh, good. Mark's great. The relegation season? No, not quite. No. It's, okay. it's where it all starts to unravel a bit. Ernie Wally, mate. Okay. Early yeah, Wally yeah. by name. So there you go. So yeah. look forward to that one, people. That'll be around for you sometime next week. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure again. Two nights cool. in a row with you. People will talk. It's been great. I'm sure see. they will. Let them, no, because let them talk. Let, let them, them talk. Rumour, rumour, rumour. I cannot confirm or deny. Let them eat cake. Uh, so brilliant to see you, Dan. You take care. Yeah, I'll see right. you very soon, mate. You Bye, guys. JK, uh, as always, you've been an absolute superstar. Enjoy, I enjoy doing these shows so much every week. I have to be honest, far more than I enjoy doing the Monday shows, <laughs> to be honest. I love a bit of nostalgia. But Jonathan, well done you. Look forward to speaking to you again on Monday. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.